You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. It's time for the ESO Dragon Con Report, a podcast dedicated to help newcomers and veterans prepare for the upcoming annual convention in downtown Atlanta. With interviews, advice, and news from the pros and fans alike, be careful, you never know, you might actually learn something. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the ESO Dragon Con 2016 Con Report. I'm your host, Mike Gordon, and I'm pleased to introduce you to the rest of our station crew, starting, of course, with director Mike Faber. Hey, everyone. How's it going this month? Can you believe Howdy, it? sir. Can you believe it? 180 days or so left. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. A lot less than that, sir. It's like only 128. So ah! I know, right? I hate to shock you. Oh, my God. You just scared the living crap out As of me. As we're recording this, yeah, we're getting down to the wire. What happened? It to feels 60, like we're getting down. What to happened the wire. to sixty days that I I needed? I need those sixty days back. Well, you have to get your TARDIS and get them back. That's the only way now. Mm. Okay, I'll be back. Bye. <laughs> well, cool. While he's gone, I can also welcome back to the show Darren Noel. Hi, everybody. How are you? How are you, sir? Are you? Hi. Are, are you doing okay? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I hope it's not a shame that, you know, I took those 60 days away from you, too. No, no, I can do math. <laughs> well, you cool. are the accountant of the group. Come on. I am the accountant. I have an Excel how, spreadsheet. How work, much so. math is required to build a costume? A lot. A lot yes. of math, because you have to calculate how much alcohol you need to make the costume. <laughs> <laughs> Measured by uh, alcohol units. Yeah, Measured by alcohol units, yes. <laughs> and of course, we also have with us Mary Lou Hu back. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. You know, just same old stuff. Trying to get ready for Dragon and manage everything else at the same time. So... How much does preparing for Dragon Con envelop like right now? I mean, are you consciously working on things over the past, next week or so for specifically for Dragon Con? Um, to be hundred percent honest, I should be, but mostly I've just like started to think, hey, you should probably work on this soon. So that's kind of where I'm at. Gotcha. <laughs> well, there's a little fire. There's <laughs> a little fire. Right now. Yeah, there, there's a little fire <laughs> under costumers' butts because Hancock Fabrics announced it is closing all its stores. So, you know, if you have one mm. close by. So that's a major resource that's, that's gone now. Um, well, or on its way out. Yeah. If you can buy, if you can find some fabric that you want real quick, then, hey, good, good luck to you. Well, cool. Uh, we're also going to have segments this episode with from Nikki Rao Baker, Eternal Zan, Kevin Batchelder, Michelle Biddick Simmons, and a special interview with Jack Walsh. He is the filmmaker behind the Four Days to Dragon Con film that uh, I think that's a few years old now, but it's an incredible, an incredible document of the actual weekend that uh, we love so much. 
this Earth Station One special report is sponsored by the ESO Amazon eStore, where you can find all sorts of cool geeky merchandise. If you're ordering some swag from Amazon, help us out by going through our link on our page. You don't have to go to the actual eStore. You can just click on the link at the top of the ESO network page that says Amazon. Click there. Buy whatever you like. It doesn't cost you any more, and it helps us out a lot. Uh, if you would like to leave feedback or comment on the show, please call our ESO feedback line at 404-963-9057, or feel free to email us at esopodcast at gmail.com. All right, now let's get started with some news and notes, and a lot of news has come out in the last month or so. We'll start with the uh, actual dates that uh, you guys should remember, some important dates. Um, May 13th is the final day of $110 memberships. Uh, they will be rising to $120. It doesn't seem like a lot, $10, but whatever you can save, that must mean that means you can have more to spend on, oh, I don't know, say drinks at Dragon Con, um, or a drink uh, in this case, probably. I think that'll <laughs> cost you one bucket of rum, I think, that $10. But uh, that's one bucket of rum you can have uh, if you get your memberships before uh, May 13. One bucket? Come on, uh, Mike. We were there last year. That was maybe a half a bucket. A half a bucket. That yeah, might be. Yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, that is true. Um, some dates that uh, are are actually just passed. Uh, the app, uh, the performer applications have now closed. Um, parade membership is now closed. Uh, and also, by the time you guys listen to this, uh, the um, application or the submission uh, date deadline for your DragonCon memories uh, will probably have passed because that's at the end of April. So um, I hope you guys took advantage of all that. Um, but there's still some uh, some ways that you can become like a guest or have a fan table. Those applications are still relevant. I believe the media access application is still open as well. So um, you can take advantage of that if uh, that applies to you guys. Um, also, um, well, before we talk about some other Dragon Con news, I think there's some really, really cool news, uh, that happened. This was only about, I think a few days after we recorded the last episode. And, uh, I, I'd really like Darren to do the honor, honor since he covered, uh, this subject in depth over the last two episodes. Darren, we have an update, of course, a really good news update. Oh, yes. The, uh, the bill that was passed, um, the Religious uh, Freedom Act that was passed by the Georgia legislature was vetoed by Governor Deal. Absolutely. So it will not be a law, so at least this year. The battle yeah. will continue. So, Yeah, I'm sure that they'll try to regroup and, and, and start another similar uh, similar one. I know that uh, we were l- lucky in, in our state. Uh, I know that other states were not as lucky because they did get similar bills that actually were passed uh, across the board. Yep, North Carolina and Mississippi are suffering some really bad financial, you know, throwback from those bills. So, yeah, but it, it's good news for us. It's good news for Dragon Con. It's good mm-hmm. news for the entire state. So uh, uh, we have uh, we have Governor Deal to thank for for doing mm-hmm. that. Of course, we do indeed. Um, also, uh, other news is that Dragon Con has announced its official charity. The official charity for Dragon Con 2016 is ACSS, which is the Atlanta Center for Self-Sufficiency. Um, it is the official charity, which means that, uh, once again, Dragon Con will match dollar for dollar, uh, any money raised for this charity at the 2016 convention. Um, the Atlanta Center for Self-Sufficiency was established in 2010, 
Um, and it is the largest and most successful provider of workforce development resources to homeless men and women in the Atlanta area. Uh, since 2010, more than uh, 1,700 people have been served by their programs and more than um, 1,300 have obtained full-time employment. Uh, it's a very worthy cause, and uh, it's it's very awesome that they have chosen that that particular subject. Um, that's not the only charity that Dragon Con is promoting. They're also um, their superheroes program, uh, which is they're having a walk on the 30th. I'm not sure it probably will be too late by the time people listen to this to register and participate in this. But the good news is that uh, they they this walk that they're doing is for um, uh, finding a cure for lupus. And uh, at least as DragonCon goes, they've already met their fundraising goal. Um, they, they, but the superheroes are not stopping there. They're trying to get some more. Um, a study done in 2008 found that the average annual cost of patients with lupus was uh, a little over $12,000. So they're now trying to reach that goal of $12,000 to make a huge difference in, in someone's life in, as far as that goes. So uh, the superheroes are doing, if you want to participate in more superhero programs, just go to the DragonCon Facebook page or their website and find out about the superheroes program because this is the Walk to End Lupus is one event that they're participating in, but they're participating in others. And I believe each one will, will um, be focused on a different charity. So you can find out what charity and more about that by just going to the uh, Facebook page, which we will have links to. We have links to all this stuff uh, with our show notes, so you can just click and uh, and be there as well. Um, also in the news, DragonCon has uh, won an award. Uh, the uh, Deep South Con, which is the South's oldest regional science fiction convention, which is held every year in a different southern city. Um, uh, this year, at Jordan Con which was just this past weekend, was uh, the host of the 2016 Deep South Con. Uh, but they um, uh, awarded some um, uh, the president of Dragon Con, Pat Henry, as well as senior director Bill Harrison. They won the 2016 Rebel Awards. And uh, also the Daily Dragon editor, Yuji uh, Foster, was recognized with a posthumous Phoenix Award as well. So uh, cool that they were recognized as well. And uh, speaking of awards, Dragon Con has announced that they, too, now will be participating in giving out awards. This year, as part of the 30th anniversary, uh, Dragon Con is announced that they will uh, give out the Dragon Con, uh, the Dragon Awards. Um, there's still a lot that uh, is not known about exactly the specifics of these awards. Uh, you can find out more information at awards.dragoncon.org. But uh, this is a way that they can recognize excellence in all things science fiction and fantasy. Uh, these awards will be by the fans, for the fans, and it's uh, our fans, that, our choice as fans, our chance to reward those who have made real contributions to science fiction books, games, comics, and shows. Uh, you can nominate and vote, and uh, the, Dragon Con Award, the Dragon Awards will also let you share your support with others. So um, we'll keep uh, an eye out on this as far as the nomination process, as well as the whole awards, uh, what they're going to look like, et cetera, et cetera. We'll, we'll let you know more as we get it. But um, I think that's pretty exciting that the Dragon Con is going to get out their own awards. I don't know if... Um, uh, if that means that you have to be a guest in order to receive one. But uh, I do think that it's kind of an interesting concept that this this award 
is is by the fans. It's not just an organization giving out an award. Uh, that probably means that they, you know, spent a lot of money with this person. I think this is they're going to this Dragon Con is going to do this right, and this is going to be by the fans. Exactly. So you know, start plugging them away, saying your favorite podcast is the Dragon Con Report. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, I'm not yes, above that. It's never too soon to nominate. It's never too soon to nominate us, right? There's no way I'm beyond you know begging and pleading. You know. Well, they do already have uh, a nomination list uh, form that you can fill out at the website. Uh, this is going to be valid um, from till until June 30th, 2016. And you can uh, pick in such categories as, and they're all write-ins. There's no, it's not multiple choice. So you can write in whatever you want as far as best science fiction novel, best fantasy novel, um, best apocalyptic novel, horror, science fiction, fantasy TV series, internet, graphic novel, um, et cetera, et cetera. And there's some write-in ones as well. So Exactly. Uh, and that's where you could put the Dragon Con report. Absolutely. Or ESO in general. Yes, what? That would be awesome. Yes, what? ESO in general. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, the various ES, right? Exactly. The yeses. So um, I think you're only allowed to vote once uh, per IP address. So there's no flooding of that. But of course, with any uh, nomination and voting, uh, you know, it can be hacked probably. So they'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see and, and give a watch and to see whether things change that w- in that regard. But in any case, it's a cool little thing. And I'm sure they're going to have some sort of award ceremony this year, although uh, I'm not sure when that's going to be scheduled. But again, as we find more, more information, we'll, we'll let you know about that. Now, it's not known whether or not the Dragon Con Awards will be given only to guests. It might be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. But speaking of guests, we've got a lot of new announcements this month. Uh, take it away, Mike and Mary. Oh, oh, wow. They're going so far, so fast. And yes, folks, they have named so many new uh, guests. And Mary, you want to start first since the ladies are first? Hilly Songs of Serious Science. Professor Boggs performs songs about everything from Kepler's Laws to Avogadro's Number. Sort of a solo Thor and Dr. Jones groove with embedded science. You'll have fun and actually learn some science in spite of it all. Timothy Zahn is the author of 10 Star Wars books and the Cobra, Quadril, and Dragon Box series. Recent books include Cobra Outlaw, Soulmander, Pawn's Gambit, and A Call to Arms, the second of the Manicore Ascendant series with, written with David Weber. My Corner is a professional puppeteer and puppet builder based in North Kansas, in North Kansas City, Missouri. He is the associ- Associate Artistic Director of Mesner Puppet Theater and creator of the Timey Wimey Puppet Show. Jim Butcher is the author of The Dresden Files, The Codex Ellard, and the new Steampunk series, The Cinder Spires. Jim currently resides mostly inside his own head, but his head can be generally found in his hometown of Independence, Missouri. Michelle Bellinger is a world-renowned expert on the occult, paranormal phenomena, and vampires. She starred on A&E's hit show, Paranormal State. Her books have been sourced in university courses and TV shows such as CSI and True Blood. Michelle's Shadow Side series is published through Titan Books. Carlos Valdez 
is an actor and musician with roots in the theater. In addition to his work on Broadway and on national touring companies, his most recent portrayal is the nerdtastic tech genius Cisco Ramon on the hit CW series The Flash. Katie Lotz is an actress, dancer, martial artist, singer, and model. She is best known for her roles as Sarah Lance or Canary in the CW series Arrow and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. David Solbathy is known for his work as a voice actor playing creepy villains, scary aliens, and edgy heroes on televisions and games and feature films including Drax and Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. Trevor Duvall, a native of Edmonton, Canada, Trevor Duvall spent 15 years in Vancouver's voiceover industry as one of the city's most sought-after animation and commercial voice actors. He's currently working in L.A. on hit shows such as the new animated Guardians of the Galaxy. Carl Urban is best known for playing Emor in the second and third installment of Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings trilogy, Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy in the new Star Trek films, and Star Trek Into Darkness, and the new third one that's coming out this summer, Cupid and Julius Caesar in Xena Warrior Princess, Vako in The Chronicles of Riddick and Riddick, and Judge Dredd in the 2012 film Dredd. He will be appearing, though, at DragonCon only on Sunday and Monday this year. Ciara Renee is an actress, singer, and musician. She's best known for her roles on Broadway as Ken- Kendra- and as Kendra Saunders or Hot Girl in the CW series DC's Legends of Tomorrow, a spinoff of Arrow and The Flash. Jodell Fairland is currently starring in sci-fi's latest space epic, Dark Matter, as the Mysterious Five. When not working on feature films, Jodell keeps herself busy guest-starring on series and lending her voice to the work of animation. Brett Dalton is an American actor who is best known for playing Grant Ward on ABC's series Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., currently in its third season. Roger Cross is concurrently be playing Six, a.k.a. Griffin Jones, on the hit sci-fi show Dark Matter. Reggie Fitzwilliam on Guillermo del Toro series for FX, The Strain, and playing Travis Verda on Continuum. Zoe Palmer can currently be seen playing Dr. Lauren Lewis in the showcase sci-fi hit series Lost Girl and the android in the TV series Dark Matter. Anthony Lamick is an actor who is known for portraying Brian Becker on the CTV's fantasy drama The Listener, Dan Malloy on Bravo's police drama 19-2, and for his guest star appearances on shows like the sexy supernatural series Lost Girl. He is currently appearing as three on sci-fi science fiction drama Dark Matter. I'm seeing a theme here. I don't know why. Sachin Sehill is best known as Jasper on CW's The 100 and also just starred in The New X-Files as Jack Budd. He is currently also filming the Electra Woman and Dyna Girl miniseries. What? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Lindsay Morgan plays one of the main characters, Raven Rays, on the CW show The 100. She has appeared in all three seasons. Jared Joseph has been in a myriad of great shows, including extended stints on Fringe as FBI agent Tim, Once Upon a Time as Billy, Arrow as Alan Durland, Durand, Durand ooh, and Rogue as Nicholas Fleming. He is currently starring on the CW's The 100 as Nathan Miller. Wow, are we going to have all 100 of The 100? It sounds like it. <laughs> That's all the guests. Thanks, guys. No. Uh, Rob Levy is a writer for Doctor Who Hooligans, blog 
blogger, artist, and cultural writer for Alive Magazine, music writer for Eleven Magazine, blogger, and podcaster for NeedCoffee.com. And he's an occasional contributor to the ESO podcast. He is the host of Justice KDXH Radio. Rob who now? Rob Levy. You know. <laughs> I know. Our good that friend. guy. He's usually on an ESW panel with us, and we look forward to seeing him again. Exactly. Michael Gordon is a writer, publisher, and creator of Tiki Zombie, a comic series celebrating its fifth anniversary in 2016. He can also be heard saying, howdy on the weekly Earth Station One podcast. Who is that Michael Gordon guy? Thank you. I don't know. I know. Yeah. They let anybody in. Right? I know. Clearly. Congratulations, sir. Thank you so much. It's always an honor and a privilege. It's, uh, it's a great, great to be among the, the, the guests that uh, we can't pronounce their names. Exactly. <laughs> Bill Mulligan is an active member of the North Carolina indie film scene, contributing as writer, director, special effects man, and actor. His work can be seen as fitted in a post, a few brains more, knob goblins, 400 ways to kill a vampire, and catch me if you can. Kalula Love, known as the Queen of the Subtleties, is a burlesque performer and producer. She's the leader of the Atlanta Burlesque Society, studio manager of Atlanta School of Burlesque, and performer with the Candy Box Review. She's a published author and runs the Atlanta Burlesque Podcast. Yeah, I think she's also the director of the burlesque show at DragonCon. Yes, she is. As well. So it's always good to have her back. And hopefully we'll have more Atlanta Burlesque Podcasts on the network. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Stephen H. Seagal is the co-author of the new quirk book, Geek Parenting, with Filova Lupiches, the Hugo Award-winning former editor of Weird Tales magazine and the editor and co-author of Geek Wisdom, The Search Teachings of Nerd Culture. And that is it, my friends. They're going to be coming out with a couple new ones. I know they just announced, actually, yes, last night, the uh, actor who plays uh, Joffrey on Game of Thrones is going to be coming to Dragon God. Yes, absolutely. Cool. And yes, I think they announced some paranormal folks as well on the on the Dragon on the Facebook page. Exactly. And remember, folks, this is just a smithering. This is three pages worth of in Microsoft Word of listings. I had to cut it down from nine. So yeah, they've had quite <laughs> a few. And there's still a lot more to come. So oh, yeah. thank you guys so much for that. We appreciate it. So um, now it's time to talk about the main topic as far as uh, where the guests and everybody are going to be this year because there's been some changes. Uh, we, got a, we got a new um, space allotment map courtesy of the folks at uh, DragonCon. So thank you guys for that. We appreciate it. And uh, we were taking a look at it. And uh, have you guys taken a good look at it? Is it just kind of weird the way some things are, are moving this year? Some of it really surprised me, actually. But it, it was kind of expected, though, because, you know, with them moving gaming out of the basement of the Hilton over to the America's Mart, they had all that space, and I know since not so many people, you know, have to register like they used to have to do, you know, wait in line, have to go through the cattle call and everything. Most people have postcards now. They moved it all back over to the Hilton. Yes. Yeah, so uh, that's the that's the first thing that everybody should know is that, that starting this year, once again, uh, registration is going to be at the gallery, the Galleria level at the Hilton. So when you first go to DragonCon to get your badges, 
You need to go to the Hilton, not the Sheridan anymore. And remember, folks, you can't go to them. Badges, we don't need no stinking badges. Because you do need Yes, them. you do. <laughs> Uh, so um so i think the the gallery level is one that uh, the doors will be open right to the street so you can go right on in that way you don't have to go through the hotel and have someone give you grief because you don't have a badge first while you're trying to eat your badge nope um the other changes that i've noticed is that uh it looks like the sheridan is now going to be a hopping place Oh, exactly, because a lot of new places and new uh, sets are coming over to the Sheraton from all the different other hotels. Well, now that they're taking the registration out, they've got all this room. And so I think one of the biggest things is that they're moving the alternate history track over there. Dr. Q's track. Yep, which gives him some more space, I believe, uh, because he's not only got the hall, uh, 240, to himself – but he's also got um, a small for smaller panels. He's got another room that he can use as well. So that's pretty cool. Well, I, um, and I and, and what, go ahead. Oh, I know Brit Tracks is moving to a much bigger room this year because they've yes, they've and, always had to, for the last couple of years have had to turn people away, even from the Earth Station Who panel. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's it's amazing that we've been fortunate that at Earth Station Who we've had standing room only uh, panels a lot of times. So it'll be kind of nice if everybody can sit. It'll be interesting to see what you know what else is because I know the Star Trek trek is moving downstairs there also, and it's just going to be a lot more elbow room and a lot more growth. Now I'm not as familiar with. Uh, the way the Western was. So I'm looking at the Western. I don't know. Besides taking the alternate history room out of there, I'm looking at all this, these spaces on the 12th and 14th floor now dedicated to LARP. Has that always been the case? No, it's all brand new over there. That's amazing. Like a whole, a whole 12th and 14th floor dedicated to them. Yep. No, LARP was all downstairs in the Hilton also. So that's all moved out, and that's over now at the Westin. And uh, if you don't know where the game, like if you are used to gaming in the Hilton, and you're kind of like, well, what do I do now? Well, it depends on what time of gaming that you'll be doing. Board gaming, card gaming, miniature gaming is all going to be done at the America's Mart now. Uh, also, Mech Corps is all going to be there as well. Uh, land gaming, uh, video gaming, etc., I believe is now at the uh, Westin as well. Yes, the Westin has uh, – where did I – yeah, Land Gaming is at the Westin, at the Chastain 1 and 2. Yes. And they, they've also got a Puzzle Room. I'm not really sure what that is. Uh, yeah. Tabletop Programming is there too. What's Puzzle Room? Puzzle Room – Is that like an escape room or something? <laughs> <laughs> no. Because that was the dealer's room when it was at America's Mart, right? Yes. No, it okay. basically – the Puzzle Room is basically, you know, literally they have tables set up and you can do puzzles. You could just oh, okay. you could just literally sit around with your friends and do you know a jigsaw puzzle. Drunk. Well, yeah. No, just- Duh. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. <laughs> what else would you do? Come on. So yeah, the- um, we're also very pleased that uh, you know because we've all kind of thought that both the sci-fi classics, whether it's the sci-fi classics or the American sci-fi room that handles more present stuff, um, they were sharing kind of a room that, um, well, really wasn't set up for, 
I think, panels because it was an L-shaped. And between the two of them, they were kind of sharing this this space. And it's it was very just not very user friendly, not very panel friendly. So uh, they both moved to rooms that I think will accommodate their uh, crowds a lot better. Exactly. And it's, I think things will be even move more smoothly with the changes that they've come up with. I just, I think it's neat. And, you know, Dragon Con the last couple of years has been going through growing pains. And this is just them trying to, starting to sort things out, you could say. And I yeah. think it's a great way of them doing it. And man. Now, there's also going to be some main programming in the Hilton. Has that happened before in the Crystal Ballroom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've I've actually done panels for the uh tracks in the Crystal Ballroom. Okay. And you know, actually my, my very first panel ever at Dragon Con when we were doing a Doctor Who versus Star Trek panel way back when uh when we it was like they threw me on my first panel with Peter David. <laughs> oh. Well, that's 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 a good way to break you in because you don't get a chance to talk very much. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I just sat there with my mouth open, ready to jump in, but it was just like, yeah, okay, I'll just sit here and shut up. <laughs> I love Peter, but, you know, he, he needs to breathe every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. You know, he does it after the panel. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. They get him. Someone get this man an oxygen tank. Exactly. Um, it does look like now, whereas main registration has been is moved, if you are um, a VIP, a guest, an eternal badge member, uh, VIP of any kind, you still pick up your badges at the Marriott in the lobby level. It's the same place that it's always been. So uh, for uh, for those kind of badges, uh, attending pro, that kind of thing, you'll still go to the Marriott. Exactly. So don't think you need to go to the, the, the Hilton. Um And uh, I was trying to look for, like, it looks like uh, everything else is, from what I can tell, everything else is the same. I'm not as familiar with some of the, it's amazing. You kind of look at this stuff and you realize how little of the con that you know. I mean, even though I've been going there over 20 years, we cover it on a monthly basis. You know, I'm still scratching my head going, what's this room? (laughs) What is tech storage? No, I I know what that is. Okay, head uh, head slot. I know, right? Um, anything else you guys have noticed or any concerns about, uh, the new space allotment? Well, you know, them moving, you know, the podcasting track all the way over to the Georgia dome was kind of weird, but you know, it's just because the crowds demanded it. Exactly. So that's not true, but we're not moving. The podcasting track is still saying where it was folks. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) That That one hasn't moved. (laughs) <laughs> no, but our, our, our friends uh, over at the American Classics Sci-Fi is moving to a new room, but still in the Marriott. So that's going to be nice. They're going to finally get rid of that uh, Tetris-shaped room. So that's going to be a good yes. thing. I've heard that. And uh, I also think that uh, – and I know that they're very happy uh, with that move mm-hmm. uh, because uh, we talked to those track directors in particular – and they were very ecstatic because they're going to have a space that's deserving of their panel room. I think. That's definitely one. Uh, the it. comics and the pop artist alley is still going to be in the uh, exhibit level of the Hyatt. So that's not, that's a great space. I'm glad that's not moving again because it's been in a few different areas over the years. And uh, I think the place where it is now is really hopping, really successful. The crowds are always good. 
uh, I would hate for that place to that to move and kind of ruin any sort of uh, uh, vibe that we've been given getting there because it's been a, a great space. So I'm glad to see that we're in the same place. Mm-hmm. It's going to be nice, and you know, a lot of the you know they'll still have you know big you know people talking still in the Marriott up in the ball like the, in the Centennial ballrooms and such, and then they'll of course they'll have you know still the walk of fame is going to still be downstairs. It's going to, it still will work out. I think it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. The walk of fame, photography and autographs, uh, the Marriott spaces, those are not changing. No, everything like that is all staying the same. So really don't have, you know, much to worry about. And I might as well make the announcement right here. Uh, we are going to have a new ESO video this year. Darren and I, I need one. Yep. Darren and I are going to be going around to the different hotels and, mm-hmm. you know, pointing out where some of the changes have been made. Things have changed. Exactly. So, yeah. so who better than the two schmucks from the Dragon Con report to, to help you with that? Maybe that's my, not the way you would. Well, maybe we should nominate a few people. Exactly. Because... <laughs> yeah, good point there. Which schmucks would you like to see exactly. in that video? <laughs> Well, that's a whole different story on itself. No shortage of schmuckage, sir. None. <laughs> Not involved with Dragon Con. No way, no how. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, very cool. It's nice to see that, you know, the, that they're constantly improving. I mean, it's been 30 years and they're still, uh, they still are looking at a way to change things and make things better in the space they have. All those rumors about they're going to move here, they're going to move there, they're going to move, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to get another hotel. Right now, DragonCon is is dedicated to this space, and they're just trying to make the most of it. That's a good way to put it because it's going to be interesting to see. You know, this year they're expecting almost eighty thousand people officially, which means one hundred and fifteen. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So it'll be interesting to see how many people they actually get in, how many people, you know, how crowded it feels and how the new layout works. So I'm looking forward to it. Me too. And, and you know, it definitely changes. It changes always good, you know. Uh, well, hopefully. I mean, it's, it's at least they're, they're making the efforts to change things and, mm-hmm. and to fix some of that stuff. So we, we'll see uh, well, down they the road. Have, they have expanded their space because they're in America's Mart. Even more, right. even yeah. more so. Five actually, years yeah. ago, they weren't at all. So you know, they've they've tried to handle their space issues, you know, a little bit at a time. So it's a good way to put yeah. Because I was wondering at first, I was thinking, well, you know, moving the gamers over there, how much space is that really going to allocate, a especially lot. for for panelists and everything like that? But it, yeah, I didn't, oh, I didn't realize how gaming that goes on down there. In the I didn't there. realize how much gaming was going on down there. You're right. I just, uh, I, you know, I'm allergic to certain some of those smells, so I, I, I uh, don't go down there very often. Well, it's freezing cold down there, and <laughs> it's perfect for registration because it's a huge area that they can't really close off for panels. And I think they're still going to have the blood drive down there, also. Yeah, that's not on this uh chart so we're not really sure where the blood drive is just yet so uh but as soon as we find out that as well as any other changes we'll definitely let you guys know and if there's a concern that anybody out there has about the the new setup uh reach out to us because uh we can uh, ask our contacts at DragonCon and we can cover that in the next uh in the next DragonCon report truth exactly we need something to talk about for the next four months 
<laughs> well, it seems like there's no shortage of news that they're giving us. So uh, that's pretty cool. So, um, well, cool. Well, on that note, I, I think it's time for us to uh, join in with uh, one of our uh, segments, uh, monthly segments that we have. And we'll start this month with um, Michelle Biddick Simmons. We are now with our Drop by Dragon Con segment. And let's welcome Michelle back to the show. Hello. How are you, dear? Um, I told you I'm a little under the weather, so you guys, I'm not drinking, but if I sound a little looped or distracted, that's what it is, but I'm still going to have energy and be emphatic. Of course. Would we expect anything <laughs> less from you? Uh, no. <laughs> no. So what do we got to talk about this month, my dear? Okay. It's a double header, and I will try to cover this quickly. I want all of you who are really dealing with weight, with weight to listen. This is for you. If you're trying to get stronger and get in your costumes and you just have to get cut, still listen, but this is really and truly for the people who who haven't been doing anything. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think of this. This is the scene. You are getting close to your hotel. You can smell all the smells of the area near Baker Street. You know those smells so well. You see Metro Cafe, City Metro Cafe. You see Agatha's. You see, you see all the different things in the area. You see people tubes. You see other people that you know are your tribe. They're wearing geeky T-shirts, and they have all the accessories from the various and sundry fandoms, and they have that glow. And as people walk by, they're like looking at other groups to see if they recognize anybody they partied with before or smell someone from their fandoms that they know. And we all do that. It's a normal thing. And now I want you to get that. You have that electric feel that you get right when you start. You're almost there. And you get so charged because, you know, this is, woo, Dragon Con. Now I want you to bring it down. And I want you to get that heavy feeling in your stomach because, you know, we do this too. I didn't reach my goal. I haven't been working out. I haven't been walking. I have not gotten ready for the heat. I have not been hydrating. I don't know if these shoes are going to work because I just bought them at the last minute. I'm not ready for the hills. If you have not been doing stuff, this is for you. Because I don't know you, but I can tell you, I get that all of us get blocked and that we all stop ourselves. I don't know what your particular reason is. I'm going to make some guesses. Um, It could be family stuff. It could be fear of succeeding. It could be fear of pain, which is something I deal with. It could be that you're a perfectionist, and boy, almost all of us are. Um, And perfectionists do this thing, the what if. What if I get this weight off and my life isn't the way I think it's going to be? Or it could be this, and this one makes me the most sad. What if you don't love yourself enough to go ahead and feel the pain of changing your life for the better. Because yes, giving up sodas and getting off your hiney and getting out there and doing stuff is painful. It's scary. Change is scary. But here's this, the situation is this. If you don't, what's going to happen? Dragon Con is one moment in time, and I want you to have a really good time there. I want you to enjoy it. But if you're not going to do it for an event that you know is going to hurt you physically, What's going to get you there? What's going to make you really decide to change? Here's, here's the thing. We have 18 weeks, approximately, depending on when this airs. If 
you lost a pound a week, which is feasible and, in fact, supported. And I can tell you if you're heavier, say 50, 75, 100 plus pounds, you could lose more safely because we drop more initially and it could be water weight as well. But for every excess pound, and I've said this before, that's four excess pounds of pressure on your body, on your skeleton, that you're going to be schlepping up the hill, that you're going to be walking through the tube, that you're going to be wanting to go dancing, and you're going to have that much more weight on you. And by God, 18 doesn't sound like a lot, but when you multiply that by four, that is 72 pounds. 72 pounds of pressure that you could lose in the next 18 weeks so that every step you take is less painful and getting you someplace that you're going to enjoy your Dragon Con. Now, to go with this, I'm going to say this flat out. It's not going to be me that does this. It's not going to be Mike Faber that gets you there. It's got to be you. You have to commit to you. Nobody can make you decide that you're going to stop being the passenger in your own life, that you're going to stop being passive in your own life, that you're going to push over and get in the driver's seat, and you're going to become an active part of your own damn life. I, I'm dealing with the meds. I get that. I'm dealing with the pain issue. I get that. But I've spoken with some friends, and I see other people, and I try. I, I did something really stupid at Chattacon this year. I went up and talked to somebody. Actually, it was Kanuga. I went up and spoke with someone because I thought, oh, my God, I really just want him to join the group so I can, I can love him. Well, I can't love you into it. If he had joined us, I would be ecstatically happy because I now know, or I know at this point, he would be part of the group and committed, or he wouldn't be there. We have people, we stay about 1,700 people. We have people come in and out. The people that leave usually have reasons. They all do. And a lot of times it's because they're not ready. I can't make anybody else be ready, but I can be here if you need to just vent or to hear this. If you hear this, I want you to do something. I want you to get up today. I want you to make these 18 weeks work. I want you to quit being passive. Your sodas don't count. I'm drinking one right now. I'll admit to it because I was dealing with the migraine and I don't do meds. But we're going to go into the second part as you think about that. 72, 72 pounds of pressure difference for 18 pounds that you could drop. Now, the second part of this has a name. I had requested on Drop By that anybody that wanted me to cover a specific topic, let me know. So Robin Welchel asked me specifically, gave me the title and everything, Recommitting. When Plan A falls through and the donuts win, which I think is fabulous because the damn donuts sometimes do win. Okay, I don't believe in failure. Um, I'm probably talking way too fast because I just had soda that has sugar and caffeine in it. Um, I don't believe in failure. I believe every single thing teaches you something if you choose to pay attention to it. Michelle, not, take what? a deep breath. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you. You're, you're, um, you're, it sounds like you're on speed right now. It's the caffeine because the migraine. Um, okay, so I don't believe in failure. I believe everything that you do will teach you something if you just pay attention. Here are some suggestions I'm going to make about this because I, I don't know if you haven't started or if you hit a wall and you're not doing what you were doing, which I know Robin had happen. Um, don't think about the long-term goal. I've said before to chunk it up, but I do want you to look at the end goal, but not in this case, because for some reason you've gotten knocked off track 
and to look at your stuff as a daily recommitting to it. Today, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to journal it. I'm going to drink water today. Those are my goals today. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. And then as you get ready for bed, you've done all this other stuff, I want you to sit your clothes out for tomorrow. I want you to have your food set up. I want you to figure out your water. If you can plan that stuff beforehand, do it. But commit to it after everything else is done. Then you put your clothes out. My husband says that if his shoes are sitting out, they get disappointed if he doesn't use them. So I'm like, I wish my shoes would talk to me. Um, don't give in to the mentality that I failed because, you know, that big go big or go home thing, failure also does that depending on your personality type. The I failed can also mean I'm going to fail big and I'm going to eat everything in sight. I don't want you to think I failed. I want you to think today, what did I do wrong or not wrong even? What did I do that I can do differently tomorrow? Think of it that way and really pay attention to it. Journaling does help. Okay, if whatever you were doing for plan A didn't work or you didn't make it work, then just sitting there not doing anything also doesn't work. And we know this. You have to actually commit to it on some level. A lot of people will do plan A and when plan A doesn't work, they sit down and they stub up and they're not going to do anything else. That is a perfectionistic attitude. And I'm going to tell you there are two things that perfectionists do. Most people who are, and I can say this truly, most people who are geeks or into fandoms, we're perfectionists. We're detail-oriented. People wouldn't even believe this of this. You know, we, they would think, oh, I hate the word slovenly, but they would think that, or they would think other things depending on weight, etc. But let me say this. We're perfectionists. We truly are. We see all the details, and we know what we want. But unfortunately, one if plan A doesn't work, we're going to keep trying to force it until it does work because we don't like to admit when we're wrong or when we're not making something work. Well, plan A may not work for you because it's not the right plan for you. Slow down, look at it, reassess. The other thing with that is a lot of people who are perfectionists, and I've mentioned it before, we do this thing where if we can't get exactly what we want or get it to work the way we want it, we will not do it in the beginning. And that's usually why we don't start to do stuff because we're so like convinced it's not going to happen the way we want it. My, my husband always corrects me, but you know, the underwear gnome or underpants gnome, this is what we do. We have an idea. We have an end goal. We have nothing in between. So what you need to do is each day figure out what the details in between are for that day. Don't think far in the future, all you're going to do is wind yourself up. Now, people, we don't do this. We're not brutally honest with ourselves. We don't sit down and we're not honest about everything. Because I think it's that acknowledgement thing where we don't want to, to see where we think we screwed up or we want things to slide because then we can get that other bite in or we can have that extra martini or we don't have to acknowledge um, what we're doing in our life. Well, you have to. You have to sit down and be brutally honest with yourself and pay attention because if you commit to one day but the next day you're like, oh, I've lost 10 pounds and you eat the calories and you drink you know, the alcohol and you don't sleep and you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to be right back where you are. So you need to sit down, and I, I kind of think it's like taking measure. Do 
pros and cons. Sit down and do a list. Really think yourself out and see why you're blocking yourself. See why you've let the donuts win because the donuts do not have the power unless you give them the power. By giving them the power, all you're doing is being passive in your own life again because there is nothing that is so sweet or tastes that good if your life isn't good because all you're doing is drugging yourself into ignoring tomorrow. And, you know, it's a mentality that we fall into and it unfortunately becomes a way of life at some point. I don't want you to wake up five years from now and every Dragon Con or every con or every moment of your life has not been joyous because of your weight. And and here's the thing, you can be happy and be heavy, but if you're not happy and you need to address the weight, start now. Just start recommitting to everything. Really acknowledge what's going on. Take it's like accounting. You don't budget your life. You don't take care of your household properly. Well, you're not taking care of your life properly. Think of it that way, that you know the ins and outs of getting weight off. And I know it's hard, but I don't want anybody going into this particular Dragon Con when we still have 18 weeks and not losing some weight, not feeling better about themselves, not taking care of themselves, making themselves priority because no panel is going to make you happy if you're not happy. No event is going to make you happy if you're not happy. And I, I just want so badly for everybody to catch that because there's a moment in time where choice gets taken away. And, yeah, you can always you know, get back and start exercising and do right for yourself. But there are times when you don't. There are times when you've damaged yourself so much to get back there, you're not going to be the same person. And I don't want in five years from now that you've gained weight, you get the weight off, and then you realize that you've damaged yourself. You know, your bones are wrong or whatever. I want you to start fighting for yourself now when we have 18 weeks. Well, yes, you have 18 weeks, but also you should probably, in all truth, you know, take it like Michelle has always said. Take it slow. Take it at your own pace. Right. Don't don't try to force it because if you lose weight slowly and such, that weight is most of the time gone for good. Yes. And if you if you you know cut some of the junk food out, or if you start drinking more water, or even if you start walking the stairs at work instead of taking the yes. elevator. Stairs are great. Yes. Stairs could be your best friend in a lot of ways. You know, even even just – I know people that switch out. They like quit drinking juice and they quit drinking soda and they, lo they lost weight well, because that's empty calories. Well, exactly. A lot of times juices have oh, yeah. more sugar than so some of the diet sodas out there. Oh, yeah. And, and even like going and getting yourself a juice, um, you know, like a juicy juice thing, um, you know, the, the businesses where they fresh juice stuff for you. Read some of the stuff because there have been a few that I've been out with friends and they add stuff to it, like the powders and stuff. And that'll blow your mind if you read how much. The, the, and I love eat a piece of fruit. Don't drink it. Eat your fruit. Just in 18 weeks, if you lost one pound a week, if you just made a few changes, you know, Dragon Con is a wonderful event, but it's also one moment in time. If you're if you're a, a, a Doctor Who fan, it's a set point. 
but your life is not a set point. Your life is fluid and you can change and you can make changes that make such big differences in your life. And in 18 weeks, I, I was talking to someone a couple of years ago about this. You can learn a language in 18 weeks, at least the basics of it, and change your brain. Um, you know, you can do so much. You, you can grow part of a human in 18 weeks, you know? Oh, very much so. But, you know, one of the big things I learned when I started, you know, ser getting serious about losing my weight was giving up soda. Oh, Yeah. You'll lose five pounds within two weeks if you just go cut out soda completely. And that, you know, that includes diet soda and that includes regular Coke or Pepsi right, or such. Right. And even ginger ale, you know, it's the carbonation a lot of the times that's putting on a lot of some of the weight. And it's also excess fluid you don't even realize your body retains. Because your body can't pass it. It can't time. figure out what to do with it. So your lymphatic system starts to deal with it. And so usually that's why when they say, you know, the first 10 pounds or so that you lose is going to be fluid. Well, in some people, it can be 15 or 20 pounds easily. And so the first week, if you're really, really heavy and you make a change, you may see a stunning drop. But I just want you to get your water in, get your fiber in, get your sleep, eat your breakfast, figure out what works for you, and don't, don't not do it. Don't. Don't choose to just sit and not make changes. Make changes. It's painful to change, but ah, your life is just waiting for you. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. That. It makes me sad. I hope the guy from Kanuga forgives me. Like, I was really sweet, but I, I just want him to come and, and join because, you know, I think that when you have community – um, even if you're someone who doesn't like to deal with having other people, you don't have to talk. You don't have to post until you choose to. But just having community where you can see that other people that are going through the same thing, what they, how they deal with it. Because we, you know, we all have things that happen. And having someone else that actually gets what's going on, that's when people start talking up. As soon as they see somebody else they can identify with. And I want this year, if you can find me at DragonCon, Come and chit-chat with me. I'm always running from place to place. Come and find me and talk to me. And she is a true runner, folks. <laughs> Even with my knee last year, my knee swollen and me with pneumonia not knowing it. I, I was, yeah, I was hauling my ass everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's like you almost need to become a marathon runner to take keep up with this young lady. <laughs> Do you know? Well, I know we don't have much time left. Do you know about uh, we had the meetup, and I have to be at the Marriott at a certain time every year since they've um, – Started the thing at the anniversary, I think it was the 25th year, the countdown. I have to be at the Marriott for the countdown. And so I'm like, okay, people. And I, I slammed the bourbon that someone handed me because my throat was so swollen and I couldn't speak well. And I just go. And I mean, my knee was messed up because I ended up having to tape it and stuff to do the Geek Girl run. And I walked that. But I had this parade of people. <laughs> we were like leaving the West and going across, going through the Hyatt, getting to the Marriott. It was wonderful. <laughs> And they really did have to run to keep up with me. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, how can people find your group before we get out of here? Uh, we are on Facebook. We have a page and a community. You need to make sure that you, you can like both, but one of them you have to join, and the other one you can just like. But it's Drop by Dragon Con. Um, it's an amazing group. We have a Fitbit group. We have uh, different we're, – we're really working on getting the different groups for different weights because sometimes you don't want to have to talk about your stuff that's really detailed with in the bigger group. And we get that. I love the people. I love the energy. 
you can come and join us and we are amazing and you will be amazing too. Fantastic. See you next month. Okay. Thank you, sweetie. And now joining us is our good friend, Eternal Zan, and we're having a spotlight on the Marriott this month. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, we are. Awesome. That is, of course, people may know or may not know, but it is my hotel of choice. It's mine, too. It's my personal favorite. And it's really become the center of Dragon Con over the years. Well, yeah, it's literally the center now. Yeah. So, so, um, so, so tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Um, before I get to the Marriott, and uh, by the way, for people new to listening to this podcast, this year, my segment leading up to the convention is going to cover one host hotel and one room booking or room sharing community online. So each month I'll be covering one hotel and one room booking community. Um, but first I wanted to do just a quick follow-up to parade news. Last month I said that parade registration was full and that's true. I also mentioned there's a waiting list and I just wanted to be really clear about that. That waiting list is only for vehicles, not for marching in the parade itself. So to get your vehicle on a waiting list, email the head of the parade, Jan Price, at dc underscore parade at dragoncon.org. The parade is full. The parade itself doesn't maintain a waiting list for participants, but that doesn't mean it's hopeless. Um, a specific group within the parade may still have spaces. So, for example, if the Stargate group reserved 30 spaces and someone cancels, they might have an opening. So if you have a Stargate uniform, you could just contact the parade, ask who's in charge of the Stargate group, and then contact them to ask if they have empty spaces or if they'll put you on a waiting list just for their group. As of this recording, there's no list of parade group leaders that has been published yet, but one might be released later in the year. There's no date that's been announced on it yet. So if you want to learn more, follow the official parade resources. Their Facebook group is facebook.com slash group slash Parade. And to find all their official accounts, go to dragoncon.org and choose participate from the top menu and then choose be in the parade. Or you can also go to dragoncon.org and type parade in the search bar. You'll get a few results, but you can tell which one it is. So uh, now I will cover our mutual favorite hotel, the Marriott. I used to stay in the Hyatt, and a few years ago, I moved over to Team Marriott. Uh, like we talked about, it is the most centrally located hotel. It is directly in between the Hyatt and the Hilton. They're in a straight line, Hyatt, Marriott, Hilton. The vibe at the Marriott can best be described as, I'm going to go with crowded on this one. Very, very <laughs> crowded. Um, would you agree on that? Oh, absolutely. Especially around the Pulse Bar area at night. Oh, or yeah. really around the elevators, too. Yeah, yeah. And I will give an, a tip on the elevators, too. Um, and it's not just crowded on Saturdays anymore. I would just say Friday through Sunday are just a solid mass of costumed humanity. So learn where the stairs are and take them as often as you can and use Purell if you touch the handrails, especially as the weekend goes on. And that's good advice for all the hotels. The Marriott hosts the largest, most popular panels of the entire convention in the Marriott Atrium Ballroom. Lines form around the hotel for panels held in that room. So for the new people, don't be intimidated by the size of the lines. You'll most likely get into the panel. Those ballrooms are huge. To be sure, get in line as early as Dragon Con rules permit. 
Now, this is a pro tip just for ESO listeners, so don't tell your friends. All the elevators in the Marriott go to the 10th floor. The 10th floor doesn't have rooms. It's an open area with meeting space. So if your hotel room is near the 10th floor and the elevators are crowded, you can take any elevator to the 10th floor and then you just walk a couple of flights up or down. Um, I'm going to skip what tracks are in the Marriott because I know a lot of stuff has been moved and you're doing a good job of covering that elsewhere in the podcast. The Marriott has the Pulse Bar, Sear Restaurant, High Velocity Sports Bar and Restaurant, Starbucks, and a FedEx. And the Pulse Bar looks like a large glowing sailboat. You can't miss it, and it changes colors. And that's on the atrium level. And the FedEx is useful to mail items to yourself ahead of time or to mail things back home. And that can be handy if you're flying or if you bought too much stuff in the dealer's room and who hasn't done that. So the FedEx... Can It might be closed on Monday for Labor Day. I asked them, I called, and I was told a decision would be made on that closer to the day so they don't know yet, or at least the person I talked to didn't know. So call them ahead of time if you need to rely on using them. The Marriott is where you get your celebrity photos and autographs. Both are located in the lowest level of the Marriott. And the Walk of Fame is where the actors and authors sign autographs, and there's a separate area for photography. Well, the authors have a separate area, but it's still all in the Marriott. As far as I know, these areas for autographs and photos are not moving. Have you guys heard that they're moving? Because I haven't. No, I haven't heard that. Nope. As far as we know, it's still staying put. Okay. So as far as we know, that's where it was last year. So whenever an actor is not doing panels, they are likely to be doing photos or autographs. So check the DragonCon app or printed pocket program for their schedule. And the Marriott also has a lot of cosplayers who pose for free photos taken with your camera outside the atrium ballroom. Um, The atrium level is the highest level that the escalators go to and you just you can't miss the costumers. If you'd like to pay for a photo of yourself with professional lighting, um, we're not getting any younger. Give me the professional lighting. DragonCon's official photographer, Brian Humphrey, uh, a.k.a. Mad Scientist with a Camera, will be returning to the same location in the Marriott as last year. So you can get a picture of yourself and your friends all wearing your costumes. He'll be on the bottom level of the Marriott outside the Walk of Fame. So you go all the way down the escalators and then look to the left and you'll, you'll see him in a line of people there. Photo passes will be sold from the DragonCon store online, um, exact date unknown on that, and in person at the convention. It, doing your research on the various pass options and prices in advance is recommended. There's too many options for me to go all over all of them here. You can search Facebook for the event Mad Scientist Photo Shoots at DragonCon 16, and he'll send out updates. Or you can go to facebook.com slash MSWAC or search for Mad Scientist with a Camera. Or you can go to his website, brianhumphrey.com. That's B-R-Y-A-N-H-U-M-P-H-R-E-Y.com. The Newbies Tour is expected to start in the Marriott again this year. And details on that will be announced later in the year. I'm sure Kevin will talk about that eventually. Disability Services will also have a location in the Marriott. They have a secondary station. Disability Services has a secondary station 
that will be in the same room as Eternal members registration. And this is on the lobby level of the Marriott. The room is very small. And last year, there wasn't room on the map to say disability services. So that's easy to miss. So look on the map for VIP badge pickup. That's where the secondary disability services station is. And that's for people who can't make it to the Hilton. The Eternals registration room is only for people who are already an Eternal. This confuses some people. If you want to buy an Eternal registration at the con, you go to regular registration, which will be in the basement level of the Hilton. If you've already bought a regular membership, it can be upgraded to an Eternal membership there. They'll prorate the price if you ask. Just ask them to take off the price of the membership you've already paid for that year. So to buy an Eternal membership ahead of time, you can visit the DragonCon store by using the store link at the DragonCon homepage or go there directly at store.dragoncon.org. Um, so that's the Marriott. Is there anything else you want to cover about the Marriott before I move on to a room-sharing community? Um, now, in any of your research, because it seems to me that the Marriott is the largest of all the host hotels. It, can you confirm that? Or No, I, I don't know what, I mean, I don't know, like in terms of, you mean like fire marshal and number well, of Well, in just terms of the most or, rooms. Most rooms, uh, it oh, is. most rooms in the hotel. You yeah. know, I'm not sure about that. I've never seen a listing. See, that's tough because... There's the number of rooms in the hotel, and then there's the number of rooms that get booked for Dragon Con. And not all the rooms, I've heard repeatedly, not all the rooms are actually used for Dragon Con because they have to hold some back for for other purposes. So, Well, there's other events happening yeah, in the city, so and they I have to... I don't know that even knowing the answer of how many rooms are in the hotel would answer the question we really want to know, which is how many rooms, you know, what are my chances on booking day? Like, what are my odds? Um, the other thing about the Marriott, and you mentioned the 10th floor as far as uh, navigating the elevators, which is good. I know a couple of other ways, but I'm not sure if I'm going to make those public. <laughs> um, but as far as the 10th floor, that's where the... I believe they call it the hospitality lounge area is. Um, and that's an area where costumers, I think anybody who's wearing a costume can go to that area. They can kind of chill out. It's a no photo zone by, I mean, it's not officially a no photo zone, but it's generally speaking, this is where they can go to breathe, to get hydrated, to relax and to make repairs on their costumes. Now, did they do that last year? Because I know my they understanding did that is that started on the the, that started two years ago on uh, 2014. Right. But but did they do it last year? Because I don't I don't think they did. I thought they did it for one year and it didn't work out well, and then they didn't do it last year. But honestly, I never went to the tenth floor, so I don't know for sure. I can remember even last year. Um, it seemed like on the tenth floor, people in costumes were always uh, getting out or embarking on the elevators. Okay, so, so yeah, I, I mean, you think could, it's you still could, there. Maybe it's not official, but I think it's still yeah. There. I mean, as far as I know, it was it for a while. It was an area that that was kind of unofficially used for that purpose anywhere, and then anyway, and then they you know made a big deal about it in 2014, promoting it as that. But I don't recall it being promoted or listed in the schedule last year as being that. So. I'm not really sure. And then I heard there were a couple issues with people thinking they'd reserved a space, but then it wasn't really possible to officially reserve a space. Right. 
So kind of like I know that issue sometimes happen with photo shoots. If you can't officially reserve a space and two groups of people show up at the same time, who gets it when there's no authority to settle that? That makes sense. So, um, yeah, I'm not really. But anyway, yeah, head up to the 10th floor, see, you know, see what's there. Maybe we'll learn officially um, on that more later. And I think also it should be mentioned as of right now anyway, as the way things worked last year with going into this year's Dragon Con, is that the Marriott was the only host hotel, to my knowledge, that didn't have allow you to make any sort of reservations for next year until the quote-unquote official release date of rooms, which was in October. Right, yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do for this year. Yeah. Um, that, that hasn't been announced yet, and that sort of information tends to come out very soon before the convention. So, Absolutely. But so, as far as history goes, if you're staying at the Marriott and love the Marriott, it's going to be tougher to, find, to get a room next year because there's, if you're, even if you've been there for the past three or four years, there's no preferential treatment. You just have no, to wait. No, no, like they've never else. had a preferential treatment, and they do have a history of using Passkey, which is a reservation system that yes. crashes and doesn't work well for a lot of people. So, right. so if you're ho- holding out uh, for the Marriott, it's a risk because by the yeah. time you don't get your room for the Marriott because of this, that, and the other thing, you, you're, all the other hotels are usually gone by that point. Oh, yeah. big time. Yes. Yeah, they do have a history of being the last to do the booking. So there so are. So just some- be aware of that. Um, and, you know, again, hopefully that will change this year. At least I hope so for people who have uh, are longstanding Marriott, uh, who use the Marriott uh, like I do. But I understand uh, at least one hotel is trying to make it fair for everybody. Yeah. Now, what I've done the last couple of years is the Hyatt opened first, and I'd be willing to stay at the Hyatt. So I booked what I could get as soon as I could get it. I got the Hyatt, and then I didn't get the Marriott, and then I used one of the room-sharing communities, and I did an even swap. I, you know, I traded with somebody who um, you know, who I, I had the Hyatt, and they had the Marriott, and we did a swap. So yeah, That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I know – that a lot of times if you're um, wanting to be in a room sharing community, it might you might get your room and be all excited and say, okay, now I want to be on a room sharing community. And really, I think there's the most movement after the last host hotel does the bookings because then people can play the need it, got it game and figure out, okay, maybe I only got my plan B and now I'm going to try and trade for my plan A. Right. So, okay, so the room sharing community I'm going to cover this month is the oldest one I'm aware of, and this is the DragonCon Rooms live journal community, so going old school, and this is at dragonconrooms.livejournal.com, and kids out there, live journal has been around since before Friendster, which was before MySpace, which was before Facebook, and Live Journal is what it sounds like. It was originally designed for bloggers, so it was popular before Tumblr, if you want to think about it that way. It's what old people use, folks. Yeah, it was, it was the first room-sharing community that I became aware of. 
So like the Dragon Con Rooms Facebook group I covered last month, this community, pe- uh, this community helps people find rooms and roommates. And it was the first place they learned how to do this. And I've used it for many years. And I still get leads from it every year. And people also post for ride shares and for reservation swaps. This is a less active community, but that can work in your favor because there's less competition. And you don't have to create a new account. You can view the Dragon Con Rooms live journal community without having a live journal account. You only need to have an account to make a post, not to view a post. But if you do want to make a post, creating an account is free. And here's how you use it. Everyone makes a post and tags it with relevant keywords such as the hotel name and tags like room share wanted and ride share. So to use the community, you start by reading the read the rules post on the top left. In the past, there was a reservation transfer list, but that page is currently giving a 404, so I can't tell if they'll be using a master list again this year. That takes the moderators a lot of time to maintain. Um, It's possible they will just let everyone browse through the post using the tags. Maybe they won't do the master list again this year. I don't really know. So for now, look on the left side of the page and choose the categories you're interested in. So, for example, if you want to stay in the Marriott, you would choose hotel colon Marriott. And you'll see everyone who either has a room in the Marriott or wants one. There's also broader categories like room share needed and room share available. When you make a post, include your email address or other contact information. Keep in mind this is a public community, and like I just mentioned, people can see your post without having an account or being logged in. LiveJournal's internal communication system can be less than reliable, and people might not you know, check their LiveJournal messages very often. So you do want to include some non-LJ form of contact info. I think an email address is best, but if you want to put your Facebook address or your Facebook name in there, that's fine. So um, to wrap up, um, all the information I gave in my segment is correct to the best of my knowledge at this time. And all information is subject to change because of the space-time continuum and timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff. Um, Oh, that stuff. Yeah, that stuff. So finally, I do want to say that any large online community – probably as an area where you can talk about Dragon Con. So, for example, you can search Craigslist for Dragon Con-related posts, and Reddit has a Dragon Con section with a thread for hotels. There just isn't time to cover every possible place online where you can pick up a Dragon Con room or find a roommate. So what I'm focusing on this year is dedicated, long-time communities that I know well from many years of personally using them. And these are the places that are often referenced in online discussion. So, for example, I don't see people on Facebook suggesting that the Reddit thread is the best place to go. So that honor falls to the communities that I will be talking about this year, and these are the places that I consider to be the best of the best. Makes sense. Sounds great, Sam. Um, did you have any questions about the live journal community? It's, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty straightforward. I, when we've discussed them before. So, um, no, I think we're good. Thank you so much for uh, all the information, as usual. Okay, yeah. And I did uh, I did put a, um, a post in the ESO Facebook group 
asking, you know, what people wanted me to cover. And I think I hit those points. Absolutely. Next, next month, I plan on covering the Hyatt. So if anybody wants to talk about the Hyatt in the ESO group, you know, questions, things that you think are important. You, you mentioned you had some secrets about the Marriott you didn't want to share. If you have any Hyatt secrets, <laughs> you know, people that have, like I said, I haven't stayed in the Hyatt in a few years, but I've had a couple people contact me with some tips. But if there's anything you feel is important that you really want to get out there, then just let us know. And I'm happy to add it to my list. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we thank you so much and we'll talk to you next month. Thank you very much. And now joining us is our good friend, Kevin Batchelder. Kevin, welcome back. Thank you. Always fun coming back to talk to you guys. Yes, absolutely. And we're glad to have you back. I'm, 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 I, for one, am glad that the, uh, and I'm sure you even more so, are glad that the snow situation in New England is not what it was last year. Because <laughs> you were still digging through it this time last year. Yeah, we were. So, no, I count my blessings this season much more normal around here. Well, this time, uh, this month, um, this is the, for some people who have been to Dragon Con, oh, at least, you know, a couple times, this might seem like basic knowledge. But uh, we on ESO did have uh, a person ask us recently, um, what are tracks on Dragon uh, Con? Uh, what are tracks on Dragon Con? And, um, you know, we take it for granted because we've been to Dragon Con for so many years that the idea of tracks is kind of proprietary almost to Dragon Con. Well, certainly to the extent that they take place at Dragon Con. You know, some of the cons you go to will have maybe two or three tracks, you know, TV or movie or something like that. But uh, as you guys well know, and as you said, some of the longtime attendees know, the great thing about Dragon Con is with 35-plus programming tracks or fan tracks, uh, that's almost like 35 conventions going on all at the same time. They, these things all run their own content. Yes, I know several people who stay... Really, they don't venture much outside a, a, a given track because that's what they come to Dragon Con for, whether it's the uh, Star Trek track or the uh, Star Wars track or, uh, you know, any of them. They just kind of that's what they're there for. It's you're right. It's like their own little convention within a huge convention. Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, Mike, it might have been you mentioned it not long ago, which is something a good point when we talk about these some folks think that like maybe they have to register separately or is there a separate fee or you know they get concerned when they hear 35 tracks somehow you got to do things differently and no it's all part of your con experience it just means you get lots of choices at any particular hour of the day but uh, there's no like signups or commitments or anything like that uh, you just you know if you're a fan of certain topics as you said you know uh, could be cosplay could be urban fantasy could be you know, books, whatever it might be, they'll just maybe have more content for you, but you can weave in and out of multiple tracks in a given day or stick in one room if you're comfortable because each track tends to have its own room where, you know, the vast majority of its content takes place. So you can get comfortable knowing where that is. Well, one of the best things to tell people is basically think of it as 40 some odd conventions all under one roof. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And yeah, and you can... As Kevin said, you can, you're not um, – whether you – when you pay as your membership, it covers the whole thing. So you don't have to just – well, there's no way you can just go, I just want the Star Wars track and that's it. <laughs> Is there a lower price for that? Sorry, but no. But, 
But on the other hand, that means you can go to any of them. So, uh, yeah, you can uh, go track by track. And, 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 and most of them are, well, now they're, you know, distributed out through out all five hotels. I think all five hotels now host at least, um, yeah, have about four or five tracks a piece, if not more. Exactly. Yep. And that's the thing you'll find is that uh, whichever track you might tend to lean towards some content you think you'll want to be looking at a lot over the weekend, you know, they'll have a room in one of those official hotels. They have a, uh, you know, a director and an assistant director and staff folks who hang out in that room. You'll see them regularly if you go to that room a lot. Uh, And they help to facilitate the events that are going on there, fan discussion panels. And if they have some guests, you know, media or authors that, uh, you know, have content from their area, then their events, their Q&As with those uh, higher profile folks might be off in a a large room somewhere else. But any of the fan-based events and most of their events are going to be in that same spot. So especially if you're new, it's great that you can kind of figure out where that is and know that it's maybe a spot you'll see some familiar faces. So if you need to kind of make some new friends or such, realize that anybody who's probably in that room is also a huge fan of, you know, fill in that type, Star Wars, Star Trek, urban fantasy, you know, American sci-fi and fantasy, whatever it might be. Yeah, the tracks pretty much, I mean, they have to answer to the the, the main uh, Dragon Con folks, but the tracks are pretty much independent. Each one has their own director. Um, each one has their own staff of volunteers. So that you you'll very rarely will see, you know, other directors or, I mean, directors and, and staff, like, coordinating with other, uh, unless there's a one panel that works for both of them. Uh, they, they usually, they a combined track area. They, they usually just stay separate and they're in one room, uh, throughout the weekend. So unless it's a bigger name guest, which requires more space and for them to go to one of the main rooms, uh, they're going to stay in that area. Absolutely. And like you said too, uh, keep in mind folks, especially when it comes to, let's say the fan discussion panels, like a lot of us, certainly all of us here right now talking are very involved in some of those and speak on different panels. Each track director, as you said, since they get to kind of run their own track, uh, you know, under the guise of the whole convention, uh, the style of their panels, you know, how many people might be tending to sit on them, whether or not they're moderated with a more formal approach or a little more shoot from the hip, <laughs> anything goes, uh, kind of fit the personality of that track. So you might go to a, a panel in a certain track. And it's very organized and the, you know, the moderator asks questions of the panelists and they set aside a certain amount of time for questions. And you might go to another panel and it's three people on the front just talking from the hip, bringing up people from the audience and so forth. Realize that's why many of us love the con. It is very dynamic. They, um, yes, you're right. Different track directors have different sort of policies about oh, the way their, their um, panels are run. But, I mean, we've had nearly all of the track directors uh, represented on, on this show at least once over the years. And uh, they are all very friendly and welcoming people. And keep in mind that none of these people get paid. Uh, they are all doing it because they love this particular um, genre that they are, that their track, they're in charge of. Very, very true. Absolutely. All of us, you know, are looking at volunteers from the people who run the tracks, shall we say, those directors or any of us that are going to sit on the fan panels. It, we're up there because we're passionate about that particular topic, too. So, again, I, that's why I mentioned some folks, especially for the newbies, are concerned, well, I'm not sure I'll be able to make friends or who will I kind of know might have the same interest as me. 
go to some of these fan discussion panels. Like I said, people you see in the audience are there because they love this topic. This isn't like a San Diego Comic-Con or a large convention where people like camp out hours ahead of time. So you might have someone in a room that has no interest at this time of day for <laughs> what you do. That's not the case at Dragon Con. So those are going to be people sharing an, an interest that you do. And we all love to strike up conversations. So it is a great way to meet people. Absolutely. And there, and track directors are always looking for help. Um, if you think that you would like to be part of that, um, definitely uh, reach out to them and find out how you can help for next year. Uh, take, a, you know, over the first year, just, you know, take a look and see what's, what's going on. But if it's something that you think that you'd like to participate in, uh, whether it be a panelist or uh, in some other capacity, uh, definitely reach out to them. They also really, really love feedback. Um, you know, obviously no one likes to be told they suck, but, um, (laughs) uh, apart from that, um, you know, if it's a constructive criticism, if it's ideas for next year, uh, I have not met a track director yet. And we've met, like I said, almost all of them that is, is, is against such ideas, uh, that thinks that they know it all. Um, they, uh, they're welcome to new ideas. Uh, they want to improve their tracks. They want to improve the fan experience. Um, and, and keep in mind also that even though that they are the, you know, let's say the lord of their area, um, they, are, they still have to answer to Dragon Con and the, some things they can't do. Like, for example, I know that uh, they can't directly sign guests. That has to come from the main Dragon Con office. So no, they, they can't. Can you can't. Them. You can suggest them exactly. Absolutely, they can suggest them, but they're not the ones. So if you're upset that a certain guest is or isn't there, uh, it's not the track director's fault. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is so. the community nature of it, though. You're absolutely right. The suggestions and ideas, and the same way, since these are each run by. Uh, different folks, all of them have their own style. Some newbies especially will ask, you know, like we are now several months ahead of time, oh, well, I'm going to be interested in this track. Does the con have like a set spot I can go to, you know, Facebook or Twitter or a forum? Keep in mind, each of them run their track differently. Some are very active on Twitter. Some are very active on Facebook. Some use the Dragon Con sub page. Some run their own website for their track. So roll up your sleeves a little, ask a few questions, and you can find out where that community tends to hang out. And like you're saying, Mike, this is when they're talking about what panels they are going to be running this year. They might be looking for panelists. Uh, you know, if you're that type who want to get involved, you can do so ahead of time because each of them has a community that, you know, for many of them runs year round. And, oh, exactly. And, and you can start now because uh, if you have an idea for a panel that you'd like to see at DragonCon or even one that you'd like to participate in, uh, find the track director right now and, and suggest, because I know, I don't think, yeah, because it's going to be a, a little while before uh, the schedules are set. So um, uh, now is the time to get involved with that sort of thing. Well, exactly. A lot of it is going to the Facebook groups of the different tracks, and a lot of them have right at the top of the page, hey, want to be a panelist this month You know, for Dragon Con? You know, <laughs> check us out. You know, here's an application. Fill it out. The application doesn't, you know, cost anything or any or such, but there is a warning with that. It they if you are selected as a panelist, that doesn't mean you get free admission to Dragon Con. Nope. So right. and, and that's true. I mean, <laughs> yes, not not it may that's yeah, that might be something that needs to be clarified as well. Not all panelists are guests, not all panelists are attending pros. 
Um, if you are attendee, you can be a panelist. Again, different track directors run their tracks differently, but I know several uh, times on occasion where uh, you know the, the the panelists are not are they're just attendees that are passionate about a certain subject that would make great panelists, but they're not necessarily guests. Exactly. No, and it's it's also important too to keep in mind, as you said, some again that personality thing. Some track directors will have a formal online application to be a panelist. <laughs> with a lot Others, of questions. it's more of a free for all. Yeah, sometimes not mentioning it's a any names. Any <laughs> sometimes you tracks. know, I've gone to a panel, sat in the room, and gone, "Hey, we're short a person. You want to go up on this one?" You know, so it can run the whole gambit. I mean, it doesn't mean you'll be forced to go on a panel. Hey, you've been in that one too, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think all three of us have and some (laughs) others too. So again, flexibility, like we're often talking about for newbies. And as we talk about con, realize it is very dynamic too. And for that same reason, you touched a little bit there on schedules. Like um, some folks like to plan out their schedule six months ahead. They'll be listing what panels they're going to run. Others won't list anything until like two days before con or closer. So realize that, uh, again, different rules are going to apply in terms of what you might be able to find in advance. But again, be a part of their communities. And if you do go to the DragonCon website, there is a page there for the fan tracks, and it'll list a link to a page with more info. Like we said, it might be a Facebook group, might be a Twitter account, might be a web page. They're all going to run them differently. But if you go to the con's official website, you will find the start of that shall we say, the breadcrumbs to start following that from there. Or any of us, reach out to any of us. We can probably point you in a direction because we all, as you said, have talked to them or know many of them already. Well, as you said about schedules, I mean, there is one rule, and the rule is that no panels or events will happen or unless they've already happened. <laughs> so, uh, now, Nothing that- is official or guaranteed until after it's over. <laughs> exactly. Everything is subject to change. But, I mean, for the most part, Yes, the, 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 the schedules that you receive are, are very good guidelines and suggestions of what's going to actually happen. Yeah, and some folks have asked too, because uh, uh, when it comes to understanding some of these fan panels versus uh, celeb panels, which I know we've talked about in another podcast, but just to clarify here, any of those events you're going to that are probably fan discussion panels, odds are good that you can walk into the room just a couple of minutes before they start and get a decent seat. Um, you know, not that you don't want to be there a few minutes early, but it's the celebrity Q&As that are done in the larger rooms or when a lot of folks have to do the plan ahead and maybe get in line. But uh, again, events in the fan, uh, excuse me, in the in the actual track rooms that are going to be fan uh, type run things, that's a different set of rules as far as prep ahead of time. So kind of realize two different animals there. Yeah. And we've already discussed some of the new space allotment, but that comes with, um, you know, finding out what what panels and what tracks are getting a, a bigger audience than others. And in some cases, you know, in the past, you might have wanted to go see a certain celebrity that was at a panel in a track room. I would suggest if that is the case, even with the new space allotment, you make plenty of time to get there in advance because those seats are going to go pretty fast. I mean, the bigger rooms, obviously, you're going to have to wait in line for uh, if they're main programming. But the actual uh, smaller rooms, and I say smaller in quotes, uh, for tracks, if they have a celebrity in there, you want to make sure that you're going to get there at least half an hour prior to the start time. Yeah, don't think that you're going to walk right up to the front of the line or something yeah. two minutes to go. And then blame Dragon Con because they didn't get a bigger room. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it happen, and I and I get it. You didn't get in, and you're mad about it, but Dragon Con cannot guess 
correctly every time as to which celebrity is going to get the most, you know, have the most uh, people wanting to go to them. But, See, but, but Dragon Con should know all that, man. Come yeah, on. exactly. And it's a little, you know, and, and, and there's only a certain amount of big rooms available. So once those big rooms are full, that's one of the that's the what main programming does, and then they take a look at some of the guests that might uh, be um, specific to some track, and and the bigger ones like Shatner, you know, Shatner's you're not going to find Shatner in the Trek track, uh, Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so so it's just not going to happen. I mean, that's too. But you know, for someone. Uh, like um, I don't know uh, if you take I'm not going to insult any any particular um, a celebrity out there, but there are ones that'll probably be in a track room, and that's just fine. It might be a little overflowing, but it you know like I said, so if it's important to you, and that's what we say about any of the panels, if they're important to you, make sure you make time to get there and in time to see them. Yep, it's going to be your best way to stay flexible and and get the most out of it, and. You know, and that's why too. If you have the time now, leading up to con, to start frequenting some of the communities for these tracks, you'll get more of a feel. You can ask questions for people who've been there before. You know, in terms of the timing or the structure, if you will, of how it kind of works. And and the same idea with the panel ideas. I know some tracks right now are literally uh, running online uh, submission forms for ideas. Some have already got them kind of lined out. I I had a particular idea for a, a panel in one track. Uh, several years ago that I suggested to a track director they liked it, didn't make the list. The next year, it came closer to making the list. That director changed to another director. Like three <laughs> years in, the next director's like, yeah, we're going to get it on the schedule, Kevin. It didn't happen for like three or four years. Not because it wasn't a good idea, but because there are so many great ideas for yeah. panels. So also, don't take it personally. If you think you've got a perfect idea for a panel and you suggest it and nothing happens in year one, it doesn't mean it's not on the list. It just means sometimes it's all about what fits with the culture that particular year. So, you know, it, you know, it's all dynamic, folks. Be flexible. Get involved, too. Flexibility is the number one key to Dragon Con. Everything we talk about. So that's all I say. Don't, don't take it personally. I've seen some folks get a little nose bent out of joint of, well, I suggested XYZ, and it didn't happen this year, so no one cares about my thought. I'm like, and, well. a, and a perfect example of that is our good friends who run the, the American classic sci-fi track because – uh, look, if they just stuck with anniversary ideas, they'd have they'd have to have program they panels for a month, yep. because everything's got a tenth anniversary, a twenty fifth anniversary, a thirty fifth anniversary, et cetera, et cetera. That if you add those all up, they just don't fit in one weekend and allow them for any other original programming. So they have to pick and choose. Uh, but to to uh, Joe and Gary's credit, what they have done is now, I think, uh, at least on Sunday, maybe Monday, but they institute a roller panel, which they have this big die that's uh, multi-sided, and on each side is a panel that they would have liked to have done but just didn't make the schedule. And and they, they have a, a group of panelists, they roll the die, and then they have a five- to ten-minute panel on whatever randomly shows up uh, uh, with each role. It's always and- strange, though, how Manimal <laughs> always shows up on that. <laughs> no no one has, has actually been, reviewed that die for accuracy. <laughs> yeah. He always has room, makes room for Manimal. 
Yeah, there's always room for minimal. Come on, that's- but it, it's a it's a really cool idea. So it's just like, hey, we didn't, you know, there's what you know we could have done. We're gonna give it, try to give it some time, but you know, I mean, and that's and they're not the only ones that suffer from that problem. Sometimes there's just too many good ideas, as Kevin said, for one weekend. But they 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 make the decisions, they go with it, and believe me, it, it's not like there's a lack of anything to do at Dragon Con. So, <laughs> oh no, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Well, cool. Any last things that you want to say about tracks? Uh, no, just, uh, again, dig in, folks. Ask some questions. Uh, questions are good of any of us or any other communities, certainly in the newbie community or anywhere. The more you learn going in, the more you're going to get out of con. Absolutely, yes. Anything that we haven't covered that you still have questions about or that you just want to make people aware of, uh, please reach out to uh, the, the Newbies group on Facebook. It's an awesome resource. Even if you've gone there for 20 years, over 20 years like I have, it's still a good resource to learn something new. And uh, also, of course, uh, reach out to us because we'd be glad to address your concerns. Like I said, we started this segment because someone asked us about a track. So what to define that? So um, if you've got an idea on something we can cover for the show, please reach out to us and we'll do that for you. Thank you so much, Kevin. My pleasure, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. And we'll talk to you next month. And now we're going to talk to a friend of the show and professional photographer, the one and only Nikki Rao Baker. My gosh, what an introduction. I don't know if I can live up to that. I hope to God you can, because I, I made that up on the spot. Yeah, yeah, I could tell. I could tell. Thank you for the, the glowing introduction, Director Favor. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you this month? Uh, I'm pretty good. Um, trying to get uh, things lined out for what I want to take pictures of at Dragon Con. You know, it's it's never too early to start deciding what your priorities are for everything, you know, for panels, for costumes, for photo shoots, for what food you want. (laughs) Oh, no, it's, you know, you should already have your menus planned out for Dragon Con by this point. You should have, you know, all your clothes laid out, laying on a bed. Mm, Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, you should pretty much just like have a Dragon Con room in your house where you put everything, right? Of course, you know, and, you know, have, you know, your costume on a, a dummy, you know, ready to go, you know, just in case look, the dragon symbol comes into the air and, you know, you ha- <laughs> have to run out to go, you know, save the world as a superhero or as a stormtrooper or as a anime character. <laughs> What's that in the sky? Ah, it's the dragon con symbol. Dun, dun, dun. To the dragon con mobile. Away. That could actually be kind of fun. I think we just made up a new TV show. I do too. <laughs> Copyright Nikki and Mike 2016. We'll, we'll pitch it to Dragon Con. Hmm. I, I like that idea. That's pretty good. A regular series on Dragon Con TV. Now you're talking. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Everybody, let's let's work on this. You know, let's marshal our forces together and, and create this fantastic show. No, I'm kidding. We don't we don't need more stuff that we have to do before Dragon Con. There's already oh, way too much stuff yeah. to do. Oh, definitely. There's so much to do getting ready for it. And we've talked about it on other parts of this program and over the last couple months. And, you know, it's never too early to start preparing for Dragon Con. Exactly. So with that in mind, something that I want to talk about today is, of course, photography related. And it is photographing the Dragon Con parade. Everybody knows how amazing the parade is, and it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. More cars, more costumes, 
uh, you know, it's, it's like almost like a traveling circus of sorts with all the stuff that you can see during the parade. Well, um, there's tons of clowns. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, <clears throat> excuse me. We're not talking about, you know, the people that, that, uh, can be kind of fussy and, and, and get in front of you, you know? Oh, no, no, no. We weren't saying that at all. No, no, of course not. No. So with that in mind, let's, yeah, let's talk a little bit about staking out your spot. Um, so the parade kicks off at 10 a.m., but it's it's almost like trying to get a parking spot at the mall during the holidays. You want to get there as early as possible. Oh, you do, folks, and it's gotten worse over the years. It You know, 10 years ago, you can go a half hour before the parade and almost stand street side. Yeah, now it's not uncommon to see people – myself included, getting out there 7.30, 8 a.m. at the latest, um, because you will see people that don't necessarily attend Dragon Con come out just for the parade. Uh, they talk about the parade on, on the local radio shows, the morning TV shows. Uh, it's on websites. It's in the newspaper. It's all over, and it's, you know, it's one of the things that people just love to come out and do, especially if the weather's good. The the parade is, is really well known. Everybody talks about the parade and people that d- don't even come to Dragon Con know about the parade and they come out to the parade. Um, so you will see large groups of people who are not in costume, who are not necessarily attending Dragon Con itself come out for the parade. So you'll see them with their camp chairs and, you know, with their, their little picnic baskets and things like that. And, and a lot of families kind of make a, make a day of it, come out uh, to the parade, see the parade, and then hang out on the street and watch people in their costumes. Oh, very much so, because you have to remember the parade is a free event. You don't need a badge. You don't need anything. The only thing you might have to pay for is parking or Marta to get down there. Yeah, so you're going to see people getting there um, pretty early in the day. So a good thing to to keep in mind is if you do want to go to the parade, you want to stake out a spot pretty early in the morning, um, and that's going to give you your best opportunity to take photos. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about taking photos and where are some good spots to stand. Um, obviously, the parade route changed last year. Um, we haven't verified that they're changing it again this year, but we're, we're almost positive that it's going to be the same. So you're going to be looking at the parade route going down Peachtree and going pretty much all the way towards the hospital over 85, over the interstate. So it's going to go past the church. It's going to go all the way over to um, where there's some of the older buildings near the hospital, like I said, across I-85. Uh, so good spots to hang out are going to be um, where you're not going to get a lot of direct sun. Uh, so anywhere that's that's going to be shaded by a building. So you don't want to stand in the intersections. Some of the intersections will still be open for you to stand in, but some will be closed off uh, because the police have to leave those open uh, in case emergency vehicles need to get through. Right. But they will close them like right before the parade. Right. Yeah. So if you want to huddle on the corner, um, you can, and then filter out into the, into the intersection, the, the cross streets. Um, but keep in mind, 
you're going to have direct sun. You're not going to have a building blocking the sun. So unless you're wanting to channel your inner J.J. Abrams and get a lot of lens flare, I would recommend that you try to stand in the shadow of a building. Um, you can also put a lens hood on your camera and that'll help block out some of the sun. Um, some of the other things to keep in mind when you're shooting these uh, parades is unless you feel comfortable running your camera in manual mode, manual mode or aperture mode, uh, just go ahead and leave it in auto mode. And that way as the weather changes throughout the parade, because the parade's can, it's going to take a little while. It, it, takes about 90 minutes for the whole parade to filter past you. Yeah. Um, so probably anywhere from probably 10 till noon, if depending where you are on the route. Right. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to see some changes in the light that you're going to be getting when you're shooting. Uh, so just go ahead and leave it in auto mode. And that way you don't have to worry about changing your ISO. Um, but if you are so inclined to change your ISO, Remember, if it's sunny, you want to go with a lower ISO. So if you're just new to photography and you say, what's that all about? So if you want to look at it from the perspective of the old film speeds that we used to have back in the day, um, if it was sunny, you would use a lower film speed. So you would be shooting at like a 100 or a 200 film speed. If it was darker, you'd go up to a 400 or a 600 film speed. So a good place to keep your ISO set at is about 300. Make it a happy medium. If you can, if you can, if your camera can do 300, if you've got the ability to change that, if not, like I said, just leave it on auto. And then that way the camera does all the work for you. Um, so you're not going to need a really long lens. So you don't have to worry about looking like you're going to go and shoot wildlife and have this ginormous lens on your camera. Uh, a regular 35 millimeter camera point shoot will do just fine. Uh, or if you have an SLR or DSLR, you can shoot with a 24 to 70 lens. That's a nice walking around lens. That's what I use. Uh, and you don't have to worry about swapping out because, oh, this lens is too long or this lens is too short, stuff like that. So, oh, another thing to keep in mind, too, is make sure you've got extra batteries it would be really crummy if you get out there and you're halfway through, through the parade and your batteries die. So make sure that you throw extra batteries in, in your camera bag, in your backpack, in your pocket. Well, actually, I wouldn't recommend keeping batteries in your pocket. No, that can get very dangerous. That can dangerous. get very dangerous. So in your, in your backpack or in your camera bag, make sure you got extra batteries for your camera. Um, one of the other things that you want to keep in mind when you're photographing the parade is that you cannot jump out into the parade route as much as you would love to be able to get a nice face on shot of the cool car that's coming down the street or, Hey, look, there's a bunch of the stormtroopers and I want to take a picture of them walking towards me. You cannot obstruct the parade route. Um, no, people have tried to jump out into the middle of the yeah. street to get pictures. And security, which is usually at the Atlanta Police Department, is usually right there to tackle you. Yeah, and, you know, not just for the, the sake of not obstructing other people's photos, but also for your safety, too. Because some of these costumes have very poor visibility, and so the people that are marching in the costumes can only see 
right in front of them. They can't see what's necessarily on the ground crouching in front of them. So just don't hop in out on the parade route to get pictures. Stay on the sidelines to get your pictures. Uh, and a good thing to do is kind of take some test shots before the parade starts. Just take pictures of the crowd. That's what I usually do. So you can see, okay, what do the angles look like from where I'm standing? And if you're not happy with the angles that you're getting, go ahead and move to another spot before the parade starts. Because once you hear those bagpipes and the parade kicks off, you're not supposed to be crossing the street. You can move further up and down the parade route, but you cannot cross the street once the parade kicks off. So just, like I said, take a few test shots, make sure that you're happy with the angles that you're getting, and then just sit back and enjoy the spectacle of the parade. Cause it's, it's one of my favorite things I've participated in it as both a photographer and being in the parade. And I can't say which I enjoy more. It's either way you're going to enjoy going to the parade, whether you're taking photographs uh, on the sidelines or whether you're in the parade, it's a ton of fun. That sounds awesome. There's so much to see. And it's a lot of times it's just overwhelming with what to get a picture of. Yeah. And you know, that's one of the, the things that's really neat about the parade is that if you are wanting to get a really good cross section of everything that you're going to be able to see at Dragon Con, the parade is the place to hit uh, because you're going to see groups from video games, TV shows, comic books, uh, movies, uh, you know, even some things that you wouldn't necessarily see inside Dragon Con um, on a regular basis, like things like uh, the uh, Netherworld. Netherworld does have a booth in Dragon Con, but they don't have enough room to bring all their vehicles out. And they bring out these super cool, huge vehicles that like play music and blow smoke and have all sorts of creepy things on it. Um, you know, so it's just a really neat place to see the best of what Dragon Con has to offer as far as costumes. So I really recommend that you go out, get a good early spot, bring comfortable shoes, bring some snacks, bring some water, grab your camera and just have a good time. Oh, exactly. There's just, just come for planning on spending the most of the morning there from early, you know, and also one thing to do is you're going to get there early. A lot of times in Atlanta, it's very cool in the morning, but by the time the con, you know, parade is, you know, really getting on and finishing, it's going to probably be in the upper eighties, low nineties. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, make sure that you bring your sunscreen and a hat and sunglasses uh, and like also, I said, like, layer your clothes, layer your clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Bring a little light jacket um, that you can just put in your backpack or tie around your waist. Um, Cause you're, you're going to be standing out there for a little while and you don't want to be freezing and then roasting. You want to be well, comfortable. Also, like we've been saying, there's going to last year, there was over 150,000 people according to the APD, you know, what they had for the crowds. Because that they don't put the counting of who goes to Dragon Con in, into the parade numbers. These are separate because people, like we've been saying throughout this, it's a free event. People come from all over the area just for the parade. Also, you know, there's football games down there. There's other events. It's Labor Day weekend, folks, in a big city. So there's so much going on. There's people everywhere. And then they see, hey, there's a parade and it's free. Let's go see it. 
Yeah, because, you know, who doesn't love a parade? Is that- I love a parade. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Well, no, no, I won't. Can you imagine? We have to record for an entire week so we can keep this going. Exactly. We have to keep the show going for a whole week. <laughs> the sad thing is you and I could probably come up with stuff to talk about. Yeah, I think we probably could. Yeah, I think it would be good. But I don't know that people would want to listen to it. <laughs> That's why we're top 40 DJs. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like Mike was saying, it's the crowds are are quite large. Um you know, it used to be a few years ago that the crowds were only four or five people deep. Now it's like 10, 12 people deep. Um, and yes, you want to make sure that you can see and that you get a good spot and all that stuff, but don't, don't be a jerk about it. You know, let the little ones, let the kids stand in front, uh, you know, put your camera on a monopod and use a trigger if you have to use live view on your camera, which is really great. If you don't want to put the camera up to your eye, you don't want to look for, through the viewfinder. A lot of cameras have live view, and you can just see what you're photographing right there on the back of your camera. Set your shot, hit your remote on your shutter, or just reach up and, and hit the shutter on the top of your camera if you're holding it on a monopod, and that way... The kids can still stand in front of you. You can still get good shots and everybody's happy. Exactly. Also take a few, you know, practice shots before the parade starts. I always recommend that. So you get the lighting correct or you get the aperture. And so that way, you know, you're not surprised when you get back to your room or get back to your home. And I want to look at these parade pictures and they're all washed out or it's too bright or it's too dark or whatever. But if that does happen, you can always go to my website and look at my parade pictures. Exactly. Just borrow her <laughs> Nikki's and just say, I'm going to use those instead. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. If you do want to borrow them, just make sure that you say, hey, I got these pictures from this really cool girl. Exactly. And link back to my site. Bingo. There you That's go. That's what you got to do. <laughs> but yeah, like Mike said, definitely. And, and I mentioned about if you don't feel comfortable shooting 100% manual, just go ahead and put your camera in auto mode. And that way, all the settings are taken care of for you. You don't have to worry about that. Um, and when you get home, your pictures will, will look great. And you can share them with your friends and say, hey, check out this cool thing that I did this weekend. Aren't you jealous? Yeah, yeah, you are. Exactly. A lot of times, auto mode is perfect for a parade. It, you'll be in great shape if you do that, especially if you're not an experienced photographer. Yeah, you know, because you're you're going to have different lighting situations um, depending on the weather. And shooting amongst the buildings, you're going to get some shadows. You're going to have some reflection off of some of the, the glass windows in the buildings, things like that. So just put it in auto mode and that way you don't have to worry about changing your f-stop, changing your ISO, stuff like that, unless you're really feeling super comfortable and you can do that stuff on the fly. Um, but it's best if you just go ahead, leave it in auto, and then that way you don't have to worry about that. You can just focus on enjoying the, the cool costumes of the parade. And then another thing to think about, too, is if, if you want to go ahead and get reaction shots of the people around you, because sometimes those make some of the, the best pictures. Taking 
photos of the people seeing the costumes and taking photos of the little kids seeing the stormtrooper coming down the street. Cause Mike, you were sharing a story with me uh, earlier about your son and his first experience of, at the parade and, and seeing the stormtroopers. Exactly. It's, it's awesome. And the kids reactions a lot of times is almost as special as the parade itself. Yeah, definitely. The seeing the kids and, you know, capturing those moments. So that's another thing. If you're a parent, remember to do that. Don't just keep your lens pointed at the parade, but kind of turn around and look at your, at your children and capture their reactions too. So you can share those with them and embarrass them when they go on dates later on when they get older. Oh, I am so planning on it. Right. Oh, of course. You know, that's what any parent wants to do. Hey, remember this picture, son? Oh, dad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I totally understand that. (laughs) So before we wrap up, any last thoughts? Uh, No, you know, just the high points. Like I said, get there early. Make sure that you've got extra batteries and extra memory cards for your camera. Uh, Stake out a good spot. Comfortable shoes. Wear layers. Make sure you got some food and drink. And just enjoy. That sounds awesome. All right. Thanks a lot, Nikki. And how can people find you real quick? You can find me on uh, Facebook at Geek Behind the Lens. And you can also find me on Twitter at Nikki71. Welcome back. And now we have with us a very special guest. Uh, He is a uh, director, producer, filmmaker. He has made um, uh, Four Days at Dragon Con, that wonderful documentary from, I think, 2010 is the date on that one. Uh, Also follow that up with a documentary on cosplay, cosplay crafting, a secret identity. Jack Walsh is on the station with us. Welcome. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Wow, can you believe it's been five years, six years since that documentary? About yeah, I know it's crazy. You know, we shot it in 2009, so it feels even, you know, further away uh, than that. <laughs> I, you know, my, uh, my little kid was, I remember my kid was in a stroller, and she's, <laughs> she's eight now, you know. Uh, they, they brought her down to see the parade, and she was a little frightened by some of the monsters. Wow. Um, let's start with, yeah, your first experience at Dragon Con. Uh, what, when was that? Oh, it was right after I got married in 2003 and I just moved to Atlanta and I knew some guys that were coming down to costume as Cobra troopers from GI Joe. And so I just went down to hang out one night and, um, was kind of, you know, kind of blown away by all the people in costume. And of course it was a lot smaller than this was, you know, very, this is kind of when it was located mostly in the Hyatt, you know, okay. before it migrated. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I hung out with them a while and they kind of, you know, just kind of hung out in the the lobby because I wasn't paying for a ticket. And we decided to go get something to eat. We walked down the street to go to Hooters and we could not get in because it was full of stormtroopers. And <laughs> so that was my first experience at Dragon Con, pretty Storm- much. Stormtroopers love their wings, don't they? Yep, yep. <laughs> Um, the only problem you, is they can't ever hit the hot sauce. <laughs> yeah, just keep reaching for it. <laughs> exactly. Did you now? Did you go um, every year after that, or was that an annual thing for you? Or no, it, I went the next year because that's when I started working at PBA, and so I was doing these little interstitial segments called "This Is Atlanta," which would later turn into a magazine program. Um, that just recently was canceled. So that was a long running show actually. Yeah. Um, but when I, when I went into doing 
this is Atlanta, the only thing I knew going into it was I wanted to do a segment on Dragon Con. So I went down the year after uh, the Hooters thing and, uh, you know, we just shot it for about a day and a half, you know, and it wasn't like a really in-depth shoot. It was just for like a four minute segment and just kind of, you know, captured the feel of it. Uh, and kind of the, the, the key moment from that was going to a press conference with Chick Corea, the jazz pianist, because right. he, had, he had done a soundtrack for an L. Ron Hubbard sci-fi novel and uh, David Carradine read the the book on tape. And so they did a joint press conference and it really stuck out to us that we were like, this was, you know, 10, 10 years ago or more. And we it kind of really stuck out to us that we were like the most quote unquote legitimate media there, you know, me and my, you know, my little scrappy public broadcasting um, cohort and everybody else was just kind of like their blog and their podcast and, and stuff like that it was, this was pre podcasting, but um, you know, it was a uh, kind of a sparsely attended little press conference, but it was pretty cool. Cause at the end they did a duet on the piano and David Carradine pulled out the big long Kung Fu flute. And uh, it was, it was really one of the more bizarre things I've been to at Dragon Con, even, even all those years later uh, that he, you know, Chick Corea got in the back of the piano and plucked the strings and David Carradine just played his little, you know, Kung Fu, <laughs> Kung Fu lick. And uh, it was really strange. And not long after that, actually David Carradine died. Um, but yeah, that was cool. Cause I was a big fan of Chick Corea from like Miles Davis seventies period. And that was it was it was really strange. And so that was the big standout moment that year. And after that, I didn't go back for a while. Um, I would kind of hang out with my buddies when they rolled into town, but I didn't go to Dragon Con. Not until we said, uh, you know, there's there's a longer show in this. There's a documentary in this. And we've never had a nationally distributed program. You know, maybe something on Dragon Con. It would be it. And so that's that's kind of how we went into shooting that documentary in 2009. So I guess I didn't go between 2004 and 2009. With um, when you first went uh, in 2003, uh, had you ever been to any other conventions? Did you have anything to compare Dragon Con to? No, I I, I had not been in any, any conventions. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, I'd been to. You know, I'd been to some comic book collector shows, which is basically just a sales a sales room, you know, and, and like a baseball card show. But nothing like a convention, never, never anything with cosplay or anything like that. So but, it kind of kind of, you know, it was to be thrown into Dragon Con after having gone to no no cons before is, you know, it's kind of a shock. It's like being jumped into the deep end real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. You kind of think, and then you go to another convention. You're like, "What? This is different. I don't understand." Um, yeah. Uh, but obviously, when that first that first time you went there, um, you know, when you when you had the opportunity to do something, uh, you know, and make it uh, a, a video about it, you thought it would be a, a good idea. So, what was it about Dragon Con that you thought, you know, people really who don't know about this really should need to know about this? You know, I guess it was really the the sense of community, the the sense of a, a small town just kind of builds itself up. Well, now it's a it's a it's a decent sized town um, that just kind of establishes itself and builds itself up over the course of a few days. And you know, now all the weirdos can find each other over the internet. Um, so I'm sure that's 
change the character of Dragon Con. Like I, I, I've often thought, gosh, what would it be like to do a con documentary, you know, 25 years ago? Like, what would that be like? Um, I, I don't know what the, if the sense of, you know, we're the, we're the weirdos who found each other. We're going to have this, this, we're going to share this sense of community that we can't find anywhere else. Um, I'm sure that would have been even more pronounced prior to just kind of like the digital community. But, but even now, you know, it's like these people that, you know, they stay in touch all year, but they may not see each other uh, except at Dragon Con. And then just to watch it coalesce into this one big, um, you know, medium sized town and everyone's there, not necessarily sharing a love for the same thing, but they do share a love for, you know, something they're passionate about. And that's, I guess that's what I wanted uh, people to see. And, and, you know, going in and doing the the short segment, I really didn't, you know, I guess it was like, Hey, here are these people in costumes. This is cool. This will be fun to shoot. By the time we got around to doing the documentary, you know, every year when I would see media coverage of Dragon Con from like the local affiliates, they would go down maybe for the parade or they might just send their, you know, uh, road warrior reporter out to a hotel lobby one morning. And it was just very much, a, you know, kind of passing look at the freaks kind of thing. Everybody just, you know, here's 30 seconds of cosplay. Let's go to the real news. And, um, you know, I knew there was a deeper story there. Like people don't just come together to dress up. I mean, a lot of people do, but it, it is deeper than that. And that's what we want to show that it's, that it's it's really about the community more. It's it's about I guess the sense of belonging and the sense of community more than it is about playing dress up. And it's you know in the media coverage we had seen was just very dismissive, just like hey here are these weirdos in downtown Atlanta right next. Um, and and we thought there was more to it than that, especially just because Dragon Con being different than a lot of cons is just so multifaceted as far as the various pop cultures, like anything you can be a fan about anything you can nerd out about, there is something there. Whereas, you know, since I've gone to other cons since then, like Momocon, uh, which has gotten fairly diverse as far as the content, but it, it, you know, it started off being mostly anime and then it, you know, it broadened a little bit, but then you've got anime week in Atlanta, which is just an anime uh, weekend. And honestly, when I've gone there, I mean, I enjoy it. I, I like looking at cosplay and whatnot, but there's not much there for me. I'm not a gamer. I'm not really an anime, but you know, if you can't find something at Dragon Con that you're into, then, you know, I guess, conven- <laughs> I guess conventions just are not for you, but <laughs> it's probably true, you know? Um, and of course you know, there's plenty of people that are into stuff at Dragon Con and conventions just are not for them. I mean, you know, some people just don't like being around a lot of people. And, and I certainly get that. I mean, I, I, it exhausts me, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert. So, but I like to be alone around people. So that's why I like to go to dragon con and do the people watching, you know, I mean, I, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's worth the hassle, you know, not that yeah. I don't have friends, not that I don't have friends or hang out with people <laughs> at dragon con. I don't want to like, you know, right. I'm not just like, you know, no, but, but it's okay for you just to look at people dressed up and everything and not worry about them judging you for being a stalker or, you know, watching yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes and I you feel know, like when you're, when you're, or after you leave a con, you still kind of have that mentality of like looking at people and you get to have to catch yourself like, Oh, I'm out of that environment. <laughs> no, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's just the weird guy on Marta, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing that I've noticed about like, 
filming people at Dragon Con. And, you know, there's cosplay photographers everywhere. And so everyone's taking stills. And there are people doing video. But, um, you know, I've, I've, as I've shot people, I, I've gotten to where I just try to shoot people without them noticing me shooting them, which I know is really comes across as really stalkery. But if I film people and they're aware of it, they just, like, stand there and smile at the camera like it's a still like it, it's very much like the early days of motion pictures when people really didn't know what to do when there was a you know a moving camera in front of them they just kind of like stood there and waved like when you look at like old home movies right you know people are just like standing there and waving at the at the movie camera that's that's what it kind of turns into at, at these conventions if you let people know you're filming them and i know that sounds like really creepy and stalkery but it just ends up you know it's the candid moments it's the klingon smoking a cigarette it's the you know, it's the Godzilla helping King Kong fix his costume. You know, they don't. That's that's the that's the kind of thing that's like fun to shoot. Well, exactly. But you also have to, you know, when people try to do that, and you know, you have they get you like taking a picture, and they stop and everything. Just remind them they're in on the escalator. Don't stop. You know, yeah. There exactly. are people right behind you. Yeah, the escalator is the best. It's just like a it's like a Busby Berkeley musical of <laughs> of costumed, you know, just like rotating through. Just sit there and watch the watch the escalator or film the escalator. That's the best. It's the more yeah, it's can, the morning can, casting call at the studio, you know, basically. Yeah. You could literally just, you know, park yourself right near the escalator and just watch it all day long. Yep, absolutely. Cuz you never know what's going to come up or go down. I mean, you just never know. Yeah, yeah, I know. And and who's going to high five whom, you know, <laughs> you know, like um, some, you know, like a, a Power Ranger high five and a, you know, Dracula or whatever, you know, yeah, hey, nice costume. Um, We've covered Dragon Con. We do. We try to, you know, give it um, uh, an hour or two every month leading up to the event. We've been doing this for about four or five years now. And even so, I feel like with all the material that we've covered, we barely scratch the surface of it sometimes. I, I give you so much props. I, I've watched the documentary uh, a few times. And, and I, in fact, I just recently watched it just to, you know, just see it again. Um, and, and you do a really good job at capturing the feel of it and, and the, the scope of it, even in, in an hour. Oh, thanks. I, you know, the, the original, the original cut of it had Shatner and Nimoy in it, which was kind of the big get oh, wow. that year. Uh-huh. And, um, when we got national distribution, our, let's see, our errors and emissions insurance provider, uh, wanted us to get their explicit permission to use that, even though it was a media event and they provided, you know, a feed from the board and everything. Um, and we were not able to obtain that. So I ended up having to cut that out and replace it with more robots. So uh, and a lot of people said, there's too many robots in this. It's not all robots. But, <laughs> so it, it did used to be broader, I, I have to say. And, and that, that, that still kind of chagrins me. Um, but, you know, let by, bygones be bygones. And it does <laughs> kind of end on a sad note with the fact that, you know, we, we had the record for uh, the, the thriller dance for about a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they were crushed by Mexico City. <laughs> yeah, I still think there's some shenanigans going on there. But yeah. uh, um, I can only imagine, though, how challenging it was and how much stuff you know was left on the editing floor just because it's just such a massive event. You can record all day for four days, and then how do you put that into a, an hour package? That's that's an extremely tough decision, I imagine. It was. I mean, it, 
you know, we shot about a, you know, because we were still shooting on tape at the time, and we shot about a hundred tapes. You know, weren't necessarily full, but they were, you know, between the interviews because the interviews would tend to go on for about an hour because uh, right. we asked people a lot of stuff, and we shot a lot before and some after. And, um, but yeah, it, it was tough to you know make the call, and 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 of course the, with the cosplay stuff, especially when you're just shooting people walking by, you can't really linger on that 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 much. So, you know, a lot of those cuts are really quick and I mean it has a pretty good clip to it because like I, I sat down and watched it one time and I think the longest we sit on an interview shot is about 14 seconds um, just because we like you know just wanted to pack as much footage in as we could and so you know when people are talking you're just seeing Dragon Con you're not not going to sit there and watch their face talk for for a minute or two you know and um, so yeah I mean it was just an effort to pack it all in as much as we could. And, and, and it, it, you know, we were kind of novices as far as shooting dragon con, uh, by the time we got the cosplay, we knew kind of what to avoid and what you, you might go into something thinking this sounds amazing. And if you were just attending like a panel, uh, on like horror comics, which is something I would totally be down with going to on my own. Uh-huh. Uh, but once you try to put it on TV, it is just people talking in a beige hotel room is all it is, you know, and that's right. not really great TV. And so, you know, we probably spent the first two days figuring that out. Like that if, if there's, if someone's not hitting someone else, like, you know, the sword fighting demonstration, or if there's not a hands-on thing happening, it's just really not worth shooting. Uh, unless, you know, if you just want to show a little bit of it very briefly, like by the time we got to cosplay, uh, and we shot a lot at Dragon Con. We did not shoot very many panels at all. Like we we didn't go to it unless we knew there was going to be something very kinetic. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of stuff that we shot in that first one in those hundred hours of stuff that we shot that was just not that usable. It's just someone talking into a mic. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and we were, you know, we had four cameras down there and each person maybe had a helper if we were lucky. And there's just no way to get really good audio from something like that. And so it, it came down to just like, you know, pick the most visual stuff. And, you know, my, my, by the time I edited it together, it became, um, kind of something uh, the pattern in the editing was something big picture, something more particular, uh, something abstract, uh, like I'm discussing more of an abstract contra- uh, concept and then either a musical performance or something violent. That was like, it was, it was like those four things then, <laughs> and then repeat like big picture, small abstract, something violent. And you know, whether it's LARPing or wrestling or uh, in place of something violent, then like a live performance, that was, that was kind of the pattern. And you know, that, that's kind of how it, you know, how we made the cut. Uh, cosplay was a lot tougher to put together um, just because it was a little more, uh, you know, tied into one topic, but also right. just kind of, you know, a little more philosophical just as far as discussing like artistic motivations and stuff like that. I think uh, for me, um, one of the most striking images of Four Days of Dragon Con is, um, I, man, I'm drawing a blank on her name. It's not uh, Ricky and it's not uh, Miracle, but it's uh, the other cosplayer when she when they when they pour the sweat out of the boot. Oh yeah, uh, Jenny. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. like. I mean, that's like you're like wow. I mean, we all know it because we are all on our feet all all day, you know. But yeah. um, 
that's like such a visual representation of of what it's like on on our feet and on our bodies all day, you know. Yeah, Even those exactly. of us who aren't in costume. Right, right. It, you know, it's funny because, like, you know, I, I sat and you know watched, you know, basically every second of footage that we shot. But I did not shoot that part myself. But in my memory, I was there. You know, just because <laughs> I've, you know, watched every little bit of it over sure. and over and over, and I kind of like have edited it to that's the reality for me there. And so I was like, oh, I was there when she poured it out. I'm like, no, no, I wasn't. I didn't shoot any of that. <laughs> so, um, what would you say was like the, the biggest thing? Uh, one of the most you know, striking things that you learned go uh, afterwards you after you were done you were like wow i had no idea when we started this that dragon con you know that this was part of dragon con um i think it was you know just kind of like the you know like i was saying that everything you could possibly be a nerd about like you know because I, I think you always think of it as being uh sci-fi fantasy comics uh or anything that you might find near that in barnes and noble you know basically um and we did, were just kind of wandering the far-flung halls of the Hilton when we were shooting, just kind of looking for stuff to shoot. And we stu- uh, stumbled upon a global strategy game, which, you know, it's not down with the board games. It's upstairs somewhere, and it's just one room, and it's all these guys that, you know, look like they could just be working in their office. Like, they're not dressed in even T-shirts and shorts. You know, they, they look like just kind of straight-laced dudes playing this global strategy game devised by the Naval War College, which apparently has been part of Dragon Con since the first year. And I had no idea, you know, and, and honestly, like listening, I mean, that is like, I'm, I'm totally like a Cold War nut. So I'm like, I could sit here all day and listen to this, but I can't put this on TV because there's just, you know, <laughs> right. there's nothing happening, you know, and so that, that kind of pained me. But I that, that really hammered home, I guess, the breadth of everything that is at dragon con well said well said um well we really appreciate your time and we really appreciate uh the work that you did the four days at dragon con documentary is incredible if uh any of our listeners out there have not seen it i recommend they do so um i believe it's available i i know it's available when i pull up the pbs app to watch is it available in other places yeah, if you go to pba.org, that's public broadcastingatlanta.org or pba.org, um, you can watch both Four Days at Dragon Con and um, Cosplay Crafting a Secret Identity, as well as many of the other kind of geek friendly things that I've done on This Is Atlanta. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else that you want to promote while you're on the show? Um,. Nothing in the TV realm, but I do have an audio program coming up as part of the Atlanta Fringe Festival uh, starting late May. You can go to atlantafringe.org, and there will be uh, a bunch of different audio shows from various artists uh, around the area. And it's kind of a lead up to the Atlanta Fringe Festival. So in the two weeks leading up to Atlanta Fringe Festival, um, I've... I've had a lot of fun doing the show in the past and this year I kind of changed it up a little bit with mostly live clips of me performing, but there's also some stuff where I composed the music and recorded a story uh, here in my studio. So I'm pretty happy with how it came out. There's some other great stuff there too. So atlantafringe.org next month. Awesome. Well, we will have that in our show notes as well. So people can check it out. Cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And so we draw a close to another episode of the ESO DragonCon 2016 Special Report. 
A big thanks to everyone for joining us on this episode. Uh, glad to hear from Nikki Rao Baker, as well as Kevin Batchelder, Michelle Biddick-Simmons, and Eternal Zan. And special thanks to filmmaker Jack Walsh for joining us. And much, much, much love to our station crew. Thank you, Mary, for joining us for another month. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you, Darren. You are more than welcome, sir. Anytime. And thank you, Mike Faber, for which none of this would be possible. That's right. I'm the guy who hits record, so it's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we try to cover all we can with these specials, but to keep up with the latest news, please check out the official DragonCon websites as well as their social media outlets, particularly their Facebook page and their Twitter account. All the tracks as well, as we mentioned before, are active on various social media groups, so you want to check them out as well for the latest and how you can participate in, in those groups. We also can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and Stitcher. We want you to be part of the discussion, so please reach out to us. And also help support us by donating via PayPal, purchasing very cool ESO merchandise from our Zazzle store, or filling up your cart at the Amazon e-store. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Mike Gordon, and it has been my pleasure. We'll see you at the con. And we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.